All right, all right, all right. How's everyone doing? I want to thank you so much for tuning in to Back to Your Story, a podcast about real people and real stories. This is story number 38. We had on the legendary Brad Benedict. He's an actor and producer and best known for his role in The Oval. That's Tyler Perry's TV show that's on BET. Check it out. But this podcast was three hours long and we dove into so many amazing topics. It was really great to understand who he was as a human being and how he became an actor. If you guys want to watch this on YouTube, go to our YouTube right now. Uh, type in bit.ly backslash B-T-Y-S-T-U-B-E. Once again, that's bit.ly backslash B-T-Y-S-T-U-B-E. Uh, and we film all of our amazing podcast. You definitely can check it out there. Without further ado, here's the story of Brad Benedict. From the land of mystery, where dreams become reality, always listening to stories from the past, the present, and the future. This is back to your story. I want to thank you so much for coming on the show. It, it means the world to myself. It means the world to Daniel. Um, for people tuning in real quick, uh, just kind of a quick background. Name, uh, birthday, sign. All right, cool. So this will be the disclaimer as well. I, I talk a lot. Um, and oh, do you? Apparently the other day I was... Yeah, see, I'm already about to go on a tangent. I'm, I was applying. Tangents for, are good. Uh, applying for for a new show experience, reality thing. We got to talk about that. Oh, but yeah. uh, my girlfriend came in after I had this interview over the phone, and I think it was supposed to be about a half an hour, and we were an hour and ten minutes. And she's <laughs> like, "Yeah, babe, you're good, but you just kind of like you're a little all over the place." So, uh, yeah, so I, I talk a lot. But uh, I was born and raised in Norcross, Georgia. All right. So it's about twenty miles north of Atlanta, Georgia boy through and through. There we um, go. The youngest of four, um, I got the oldest is a brother, then a s brother Charles, sister Jennifer, sister Lindsay, who's a year and a half older than me, and then me, Brad, the youngest. Um, already a funny story on that. When I when my, when my when my sister Jennifer started having children, she's got four boys. It was I think I was probably around twenty two, maybe. We'll say 22, um, and already I was uncomfortable. I, I, I had to get used to not being the baby anymore. All of a sudden, okay. that, yes. first, that first Christmas, I'm like, oh, man, um, <laughs> it's not all about me. Like, yes, you know, yeah. Like, How old were you? I was probably about 22 years old. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were like six or something. Oh, shit. Yeah, dude. I was the baby. That was my yes. thing, man. I was the, I was the, I was the baby and I wanted, I love opening every present one at a time. Everybody yeah. watches everybody else. And then you get the young kids come in and they're screaming and they're excited and they don't understand the whole idea of waiting and, and, and sipping it slowly, you know, <laughs> like a fine wine. Um, so yeah, I grew up in, in Georgia, uh, youngest of four tennis was a huge, huge, huge part of my childhood and it's my Greg. growing up. Yeah, exactly. So Greg Beckers, who you had on recently yeah. is not only one of my best friends, he's also my manager, um, acting manager. Shout out to Greg. Yeah. Shout out to Greg who That's put right. this together yeah. or, or who linked us up. Yeah. Thanks bro. Um, my dad was a tennis pro. He played at Duke university oh, sure. and he was 
you know, teaching pro. And uh, I think before I was even around, he owned a country club. And so that uh, reminds me that I don't even know my dad's story fully, which, which I need to go. And yeah, I you to, definitely. I want to interview my dad. I never got a chance with my grandfather who was a two-star general. And I'm like, Oh my Lord, the, the wealth of like stories, but also just to know who you, yes. come, who you are, where you come from there. It's weird going home to Georgia last month and working, I walked outside and everybody laughed at me on set because I would just constantly be without shoes. But but there's a re- there is truth to the grounding to to yeah. to feeling Keep it a little where, closer. Uh, there's truth to grounding and, and feeling where you come from and kind of connecting to uh, connecting to the world that way. So, anyways, um, it's so true though, man. It, there's really something to say when uh, it doesn't matter wherever you are, being barefoot, connecting to the. Uh, to the environment, to the earth that is around you. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm a big believer that we are all just energy. It's just all connected in this uh, most amazing way. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I've heard a lot of different studies and talks about uh, when you fly somewhere, one of the first things that you should do is take off your shoes, take off your socks and walk, right? And I, I don't know if that's sti- uh, statistically correct or, uh, but there is really something to it. And I tend to do it all the freaking yeah, time. I mean, statistics can't tell you shit when, when it comes to that. Yeah. You know, statistics don't know nature and energy and, it's true. and the universe and all that. And Or you, um, you as a person, everyone's so different, right? It's, uh, th- there's, you know, I could be in like the shittiest mood, right? But someone walks into the room and that, and they just light me up. And I, I could literally be feeling like dog shit, but this one person walked in the room or this one thing happened and just the light fucking turned on. And so it's just, you know, up to the individual. So yeah, statistically speaking, I don't fucking know. What'd you say? Yeah. <laughs> Shut up, Daniel. I, yeah, when, when Daniel walked out to get me, I, I lit up. I felt it. Yes, like, yes, yes, you sexy um, bitch. That, that is the, probably mm, one of the, it changed me this year when I really kind of became aware that thoughts are actually energy. Yeah. You can read them. They can be measured energetically. Yeah. Um, and it just, I don't know, it just changed my vision of what we are and what's re- how powerful our thoughts were. Um, we should talk later about magic mushrooms because <laughs> I'm already talking. I'm already like going places I probably shouldn't go, but no. you know, they're legal in Colorado now. Dude. So I, I can say something, but <laughs> I'm a huge proponent for uh, psychedelics, DMT, magic mushrooms, um, LSD. The, and we'll get into it, but big parts of my life, uh, things have dramatically changed in the right direction because of these, um, these amazing substances, because it deflates the ego. It's, it's, it's so, so uncomfortable. It, it, it's so amazing. <laughs> I, I can't believe, yeah, I definitely didn't think I'd go there, but I, I do want to have that conversation in, because it changed me too. Like it, it, it becomes like, um, a point in time in your life, uh, a moment in time where you're not the same from before and after. Yeah. And, and it, I've been very, chill with my experiences so far, but they definitely took me to a place that I think 10 years of therapy, you know, could have gotten me. And the unfortunate part is when you're going through the experience of mushrooms, ego dies. It's it's really joyful, but very uncomfortable at the same time. You're just on the edge of crying and just on the edge of laughing just as much, right? So you lose control, but you connect with the universe. And it made me more comfortable with the idea of death, oddly, because I literally closed my eyes and I was like, I could feel the energy around me. I could feel almost like the meridians you know like how it's almost like a matrix the world yeah. the, the world is like these lines of energy and all of a sudden i was like oh i can connect to the very opposite side yeah. of the universe or whatever it is and people who haven't experienced it can't 
Um, they, they don't understand it. Can't get there. Okay, we're here now, so we're talking about it. So New Year's, uh, yeah. this 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 New Year's, I came back to. Uh, I won't say where I was, but uh, I I decided to to just try to have a fresh start, and I hadn't really done much with mushrooms, but I had had one experience that was really positive, um, and I had a really negative. 26th of December. It's weird how, when you're with your family, it's true. You turn back into the person you were when you're six, seven years old. Right. So true. So I, I became, I, I said some really mean things to my mom and my dad and my brother, and it came from pain and came from a place I didn't even know what it was. And then I came back here and, and, and in that, that new year's night, all of a sudden you're like, um, you just get perspective, right? And, and I realize, like, um, first of all, I don't need to be blaming anybody else. Yeah. I don't need the my my pain. Everything I've locked up inside is nobody else's problem. And even people, even if somebody's made a mistake in my in my life, if somebody in my my circle made a mistake towards me, it's absolutely ridiculous to hold them accountable for that past that moment really, you know, as long as they're, you know, they, they will take responsibility hundred percent because uh, it's, we're all human. There is no, yeah, and there is no right or wrong anyways. Yeah. Like who am I to judge what's right, wrong? It's all ego. It's all that. So it's opened up my mind so to true. this, this, um, the, the layers that I have over me by the end of the experience, I'm or kind of in the middle of the experience on new year's I'm giggling and with my girl and it just turned into bawling. Right. Yeah bawling, 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 bawling. And I hadn't cried for real in who knows when, right? Holy probably, shit. I was probably eight, six, seven, wow. eight, right? Wow. Like whenever you toughen up as a kid and you actually have control to say, oh, I'm a man, like I'm going to yeah. be strong, right? So it all started coming out. But I had for years been on the edge of tears yeah. so many times driving, you know, you, you listen yeah. to the right song, the vulnerability comes and then you're like, God, I, I, yeah. I want to let this go. And my babe, my girl, Ashley, she's like, just let it go, baby. Like, you know, and, and, and that immediately, right. <laughs> whole, yeah. Yep. It's like, imagine a portal portals yep. closed. <laughs> I love it too. Having this conversation. Cause I know, you know, exactly 100%. what I'm talking about because everybody who's gone through it, they're, Every time I hear a story or I was watching the Goop Lab, I think Gwyneth Paltrow's thing, and they did an episode on psychedelics and everything they said, there's no, with mushrooms, there's psychedelics. That's the only thing I've tried, you know, um, psychedelics wise is mushrooms, but there's, everybody says it exactly the same. Of course. Whether you laughed or cried, the experience and where it takes you is exactly the same. 100%. um, Yeah. So I just started crying and she was holding me and I kind of forgot that she was on her own experience, but she was there for me. And by the end, I'm literally like on the bed, like writhing, like an exorcism. And I literally, it was like, I felt it all coming out and I re and I closed my eyes and I was like this and she was holding me and I literally could feel myself in my mother's womb. I swear it took me to a place that I could remember it. Right. I believe it. And, um, and, and so about an hour in, she's like, you know, like you can stop if you want, like, you know, you don't have to do this. And, but I didn't want to stop. Yeah. Ultimately you, you let yourself. And then, so I didn't want to stop because it was such everything that I had held in since I, the last time I cried as a boy, yeah. whenever that was every little time. emotion that you, you and I, and I do, I believe in being strong as a man. I believe in being able to be a rock when you have to be a rock, but 100%. if you do not, work through those emotions. If you don't purge them, they're going to kill you. Yes. They're gonna, and they're going to make you not the best version yeah. of yourself. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, but, and then 
And then it was uncomfortable too, because I, after the cry, I started to laugh uncontrollably and I love to laugh, but I guess it showed me how locked up I am um, in truth, which is funny because I love love. I love talking to of you course. guys. I'm immediately comfortable with new humans. I like meeting people, but I didn't know. I thought I was vulnerable yeah. and I'm not, you know? Um, and so, yeah, just to start seeing all these layers, I'm not sure exactly where I was going with that. Oh, laughing. Even so, even the yeah. laughter was uncomfortable for me. Um, and, and I just realized, yeah, how, like, uh, how much control I'm trying to have on my life and my thoughts and everything. It's a control thing. Control, control, control. So, so many people uh, go through that same experience. So many people for, for me on, um, and I talked about this so many times on the podcast and I don't need to even go down that rabbit hole, but uh, for, for me, LSD got me to quit smoking cigarettes. Uh, there's one experience, right? Um, psilocybin saved my fucking marriage. Uh, DMT saved me from committing suicide. It is real fucking facts that there is something really powerful within these tools. Mm -hmm. I, I, I don't look at them as drugs. If not, it, it, you know, uh, you can, you can use them for fucking fun and partying, which I don't suggest. It's not, it's not, it's not the things. way it's not. You said something earlier. Um, I, I, and I, I don't want to say it like for verbatim, but it's like you were able to solve something that would have taken 10 years through therapy, mm -hmm. uh, through, through this experience. Let me, let me make sure I say that a little bit more clearly. Um, I got to a place, I felt like I hacked the system to yeah. get, to get there, to like have that release and to get myself aware of where I could go and what I'm holding inside. But I very, very strongly also believe that from that point, um, I use that as, as a, um, yeah, just as the wisdom. And then you have to go do the work. Like 100%. So I'm a therapy proponent. I, but, you know, I off and on, I started a couple of years ago, um, for the first time and, and that, but I do have fear of who you can trust with that. And I've only so worked true. with one person so far, but I, I think I wasn't aware or I just, I realize how deeper that journey could go probably yeah. if I'm talking to like, I feel like already if you were my therapist, <laughs> we'd probably get to, you get, get further along um, a lot quicker. I, I was with a, yeah. an older woman and she's great and sweet and everything, but that was another big revelation I've had in the past year sometime is men and women are different. They're different dude. I was and just okay. going to say this. It's okay. But it helps your relationship. Of it helps course. you. It helps me not feel guilty about some of the things that I experience and I feel yeah. and the way that I carry myself. Um, and, and I had that talk with, with Ashley, my girlfriend, and I think it's really healthy for us to remember that it's like, we are different beings. Yeah. Um, we're the same and we're different, but like, can't we're all chemically biologically we are fucking different yeah, it's we, just facts it's, <laughs> it's it's fucking facts and so not not, not to not to cut you off no, please. um what was the reasoning and uh, like people are listening to this like i am not sexist at all mm -hmm. um but for me uh brandon who is my therapist um has changed my fucking life. Mm -hmm. And I always wonder why, um, like my wife, uh, if she decides to go to therapy, I asked her, she'd say a man or a woman. She said a, a woman, cause mm -hmm. that's who she'd feel more comfortable with. Uh, what was the decision for you to, you know, go to this therapist compared to a man? I literally 
knew it was something I wanted to do and I can get bogged down and, yeah. and have trouble making decisions. So a buddy of mine happened on a day that day or a couple of days before said, Hey, I see this lady. She's great. I hit her up and it was, she had an opening. So I went and that was okay. it. So I never did the dating of therapists. I got the that. therapist dating and it sucks. Literally. Yeah. See, that's the it funny sucks. thing. I literally had this conversation a few days ago with my girlfriend. We're both kind of looking to get back into that. Um, and she just said, well, yeah, but it's just so hard to do the ther dating the therapist yep. and find somebody. And I didn't even, there's no piece of me that could relate to that, but now I can, yeah. um, because I'm a little bit more enlightened to, to what that is. And so, um, yeah, I think it would be cool to try experiencing that with a guy, um, and there's probably some positives doing it with a woman too, because for you, sure, get, you get, for a, sure. you get Different like a little bit of yeah insight to how their brains work, but yeah. like women, we want to be loved as men and everything, yeah. right? But if women know that they're secure and loved, you can get away. And not to say you're using it to get away with anything, but it's almost like you could do anything you want. Yeah. You can get away with anything. Yeah. You could go and, you know, you could suggest weird things to try in the relationship or whatever. But as long as they know that they're loved and they're secure, yeah. then that's what it all it's all about to them. And of course, um, you know, I haven't really figured out what it's all about to men, but even just the idea of bits of appreciation, my friend. I, uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, even just knowing like, hey, respect, respect and appreciation, man. Women feel the love, the emotion and love, and men want to feel the respect in it. They're both that's the same it. emotion. Yeah. It's what we grab from. Of course, of course. I, I always tell my wife, I'm like a fucking dog, right? You don't have to do this or buy me presents or do all this extravagant shit. It's like, just like the little taps on the back. Like, mm -hmm. you know, fuck, that was awesome. Or I love you. Or fucking like uh, this, what, what, what you did was amazing. And I thank you so much for it, right? Mm -hmm. And just little pieces here and there change the world it changes the world and respect, respect and appreciation that's it i think that's you're, it you're right isn't that so funny like that's i don't i wonder what that is in our biology our you know what what makes it men so much like men and women so much with something like that i know there's yeah. hormones and and whatever um and i wonder who you know if it's built into us if it's nature if it's nurture and all that but but yeah i think there's times that like if i just want to be my alone in my own world and sit on the couch and literally veg out and zone out. Sometimes that can be confusing to your lady because <laughs> you know she doesn't get it. And it's like, baby, there is, yeah, no, there's, it's like, there is nothing. I get it. Yeah. Dude. Get it. Uh, um, and, and, and we did the whole love languages thing. And, and, um, and I realized like a lot of the times that I thought we were on a date or yeah. that I thought we were having, you know, a time together she didn't she just wasn't on the same page she yeah. didn't know that right so i'm learning also it's very important with a woman you say hey let's let's can i take you on a date you have yeah. to say it out loud and that that's actually not ripping you know no girls. no not it's at just, all you not just start to see how sometimes you're talking two different languages um truly and if you develop some emotional intelligence if you are eager to be curious about things. And, and again, we'll come back to vulnerability. If you're able to let your yeah. ego chill out, um, you see that the, that some of the silly disagreements you get in with friends and, yep. and loved ones is they're just not necessary. They can, they can be erased so quickly. So yeah, I'm like, babe, we, we went out to dinner three nights last week and, you know, and then we came home and we sat together and 
So I thought it was a date, you know, like I, quality time. And it's, and, and it's different, you know, man. They, you want to have something to prepare for. So I respect that. And, um, and it, yeah, so it'll be, I think it'll be really fun to try a, a male therapist and um, just maybe some of the things that I really want to get into. I, I'm going to um, give you the information to Brandon, man. Okay, yeah, like, like I'm just going to cut you off right there, dude. I'm going to give you the information to Brandon. Mm-hmm. He, um, he's, he, once you feel comfortable and he feels comfortable, right. And you start, you know, sharing your feelings and all of that. Uh, there's a lot of the same ideas, Mm -hmm. uh, that you're talking about that I'm talking about that, that he has, Mm -hmm. right. It's not this big, uh, like this, this, this big fucking bubble, right. Of the way it's has to be. No, it's the way it is. We're biologically different and that is okay. Mm -hmm. And being able to speak to him and, and for me, at least being able to talk to him and share my feelings and be able to work through shit, it has changed everything. I mean, he goes above and beyond to the point where, um, like my sister and I, like when my dad died, when I was 17 years old, uh, by the age of 19, uh, my sister moved in has been living with my wife and I'm wife and I've been together for 17 years ever since we, yeah, fucking long time. Wait, so you um, still live with your sister now? Uh, my sister lives with us. Uh, she yes, rents a room. We have a guest house and she rents, she rents a oh, room. I kind of love that. Yeah. Thing, yeah. But I love it. July, 2021 it's, she's got to go on her. It's time. It's fucking time. Get out of here. That, that being no said, more enabling. Um, that, that being said, I, you know, the, the issues that I'm having with her, um, you know, we, we talk about that and we work through it, but he got to this point where he goes, is your sister going to therapy? And I was like, no, no, she's not. And he was like, I got someone for her. Mm. And so what he did was, is because my sister had some bad experiences with therapy in the past. Um, he set up the very first meeting between myself and Brandon the therapist, the, the female therapist and had my sister come in. Mm. It, it changed fucking everything. I, I, the, 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 to even be able to do that, like that, that small gesture of, uh, doing something like that, it blew my mind away. And I asked him like, why did you do that? And he goes, if I can help your sister, that's going to help you. Mm-hmm. And and I was just I was just fucking blown away. Plus, it sucks if you wouldn't be happy if you worked out all this and then you knew your sister was still going through that. You know, my mom just said it the other day. I'm only as happy as my saddest my saddest child, and it's like that's the scary part about family. I desperately want to create one of my own, and I love my family, but having a big family is tough. I'm still trying to reconcile that. Like how. Yeah, how not to be so attached to their emotions because I love them so much. And I also think that might be, you know, I've had Ashley, what's, what is love to you? What is the definition? I don't even know. I don't know. But then that, that, that kind of came about um, (laughs) during one of my rides as well was, I guess love is truly not being able to bear that the, this person, you know, that their consciousness is not feeling happy or or okay. Right. So um, that's love, man. Yeah. I think, I think that's that's getting down to it is just literally sitting here and being like, I want to know that that consciousness inside that head, which is also weird to think like, wait, you, there's a, a separate entity in there. Like we are literally like, what are we? I don't know. Uh, it's fucking crazy to think about, but that's cool. Um, 
with the with, with your sister and doing that. So was that session successful? Did it? Yeah. Get, you know, did yeah. you guys go places that you had never oh, been before? Yeah, we had already. Sorry, and we had already done a session before, just between the three of us, so my sister, myself, and and Brandon. Um, and then from that, he realized that she needs some fucking help, mm. um, and that's okay. We all we all do. Uh, yeah, it definitely was. It was. Um, it was a wake up call for me because uh, it was kind of a lot of shit that I'm doing mm. in the, in this household. Uh, you know, it's like, I'm the type of person that if I'm having a bad day and I walk into the room and everyone else is having a fucking good day, well, now they're going to have a bad day in the house. Mm-hmm. And it's not because I do anything. Like, it's not because I'm like, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. But it's just the way that I'm looked at. And I guess in this household that I never even realized. Um, and I asked my wife the same thing and she said, yeah, she said, you know, and it, that, you know, it's kind of the difference because you're alpha re- and because, beta. Yeah. C- because you're revered because you're a, a leader of, I, of some I sort guess. of people, you know, even feed off your energy even more. Yeah. I, gosh, that, it just reminds you, you gotta, it's, it's sort of, it's doable. We are, it is doable not to be happy all the time, but being glass half full versus glass half empty yeah. is doable, but it really takes practice, man. I did That's- the gratitude thing a couple weeks ago. I was sitting in the sauna and you, you've, a lot of us have probably read these studies recently how gratitude, having doing a gratitude list or whatever literally can rewire your brain. A hundred percent. And it sucks because when you can just take a pill or smoke some weed or whatever, like drugs that are that immediate head change, you know, that's why you crave them, right? Because you can feel different like pretty quickly and, and without work. Um, but so the gratitude oh, it didn't really excite me, but I knew I did, I would support it for anybody to do it. So anyways, I'm sitting in the sauna and I was stressed and I'm like, I'm just going to try this gratitude thing. And I started saying them out loud. I'm grateful for my family all being alive, for my family being healthy, for this job that I have, for my nephew, for, and one, without trying, it starts to put into perspective the things that you actually care about. Cause we don't, I don't know myself, you yeah. know, and, um, as well as I think I do. And then, immediately I'm, I was aware, oh, I'm smiling. And then I had that happy feeling, that little feeling you have when you take your first couple sips of coffee in the morning. Yeah. Um, but that is almost maddening, more maddening, I think, that everything could be... And, and the first time I ever did mushrooms as well, what did I take out of it the next day? I took, oh, happiness is right here. Yeah, It's here. We are. Everything is right there, right now. You just got to let it be. You got to let it be the front. Let, let yourself, yourself access it. So, um, so it's maddening to me to know that I could overnight change certain things about me that I know would make me happier, more fulfilled and, and, you know, sleep at night better, wake up in the morning, happy and sleep at night, uh, peacefully, but it's where the creatures a habit. Why, why is Fuck, it so hard? Yes. Why can't we snap our yes. fingers and change it? Even when you're sitting there knowing that you're going to be better for it and you're going to feel better and it's all going to make you. Dude, it's, it's, a, it's just life, man. It's a, it's addiction. It's fucking, uh, you, you, if you look at your own life and know that you're doing something and it's whatever the fuck it is, it's wrong or it's not good, but there's some reason that we continue to do it, continue to continue to do it. Um, I, I, I don't know exactly what that is, uh, but for me, it's a lot of addiction. Yeah. <laughs> I, that, that's what it comes down to. Um, what is an addict to you? What is an addict to like me? Like your general, yeah, well, not a, a drug point. addict, but like what does it take to become addicted? What do you think? I, I think that it's it's something that 
I don't know if it's wired in us. I don't know if it's, it comes over time, but whatever it is, if it's coffee, if it's Instagram, it's fucking heroin, whatever it is, it's, it's something that controls your life or a part of your life. And no matter how hard you try, uh, you, you, you just can't stop. And you just, it's this uncontrollable fucking thing. Now it's possible to control it. And there are tons of people that out there that do tons of people out there that don't, but it's this, this impulsive behavior that we just can't, we can't give up at least in the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. All right. <laughs> That's what I was thinking the same yeah, thing. Like, but does it have to be a negative? No, like- no, 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 no. You're, you're correct. I was looking at it from the negative part. part. Um, I, I think, you know, it, it, I guess it just depends on what it is, right? It depends. And that's so fucking terrible, right? Um, if it's heroin, it's bad. I mean, I guess, yeah, for sure. It's bad. If it's, if it's Instagram, it's bad. But if it's fucking, you know, Jeff Bezos work ethic or Elon Musk work ethic. Is that bad? I, I, I don't know. For me, where addiction can be good is this, this podcast, you know, being able to, uh, you know, after, you know, long working hours at, at my, at my, my other job. Um, but to do everything in my fucking power, uh, to, to make this thing alive. And Daniel's been such a big help and, and, and the wife, he's been such a big help. Um, but I'm addicted to this. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm addicted to it gives uh, you a little door or a little dopamine rush. It maybe, does. Or, it does. It does. does. It, yeah. Does addiction have to be ke- brain chemistry? That's another thing, but, but everything, but everything is brain chemistry. So like, that's another thing that I've kind of have to come to terms with like, okay, whether I'm happy cause I, took a pill or I'm happy because I did a workout at the end of the day, it's all brain chemistry, right? So you, you have a thought and I, I I assume, I believe you have a thought, right. And then it pumps out a little bit of this or a little bit of that or whatever. And that's weird to me because then it's like, well, what is real and what's not? So it's all simulation, bro. Yeah. I know we are everything that we've ever thought of is, and it is, and can't be in the, I, I don't even want to get into that. Um, uh, we'll definitely get there. Um, you know, I, I don't know, man. I don't know exactly, but like my work ethic is, is an addiction for sure. Mm-hmm. Like for sure. Like anyone, you know, from my wife, my friends, my family, um, it's just fucking nonstop. And I am not happy unless I'm doing fucking 10 different things. Um, it's just my life or like now, um, I'm not in as good of shape as you, but every single morning I get up and I work out for an hour. Um, and if I don't, I feel like dog shit. And it's like, even like when I'm camping, do you think that's mental or do you think that's a physical thing? Cause I'm, I'm, cause I'm working on figuring that out as well. Like it's so simple. Last week I had worked really hard. Did I did shot a show and and then for the past three weeks since I wrapped, I've just kind of let myself do whatever I want. But I'm every day getting a little less happy. And I finally got back in the gym, uh, outside the gym. But I finally got into some <laughs> fitness the other day. And Ashley was saying, "Oh, you know, I just don't want it to be. She doesn't want me to just to be a vanity thing. And sometimes I think it is, but no, it's not. Because do you feel good? 
I, I mean, physically, it just feels good, right? Fuck yes. But the biggest thing is it feels, um, yeah, it, I, don't, I don't know if it's, if it's the, the chemical again or the mentality, but I guess it all boils down to whatever your thoughts are, create, you know, whatever. What is the, the well, yeah. I always feel like a, I, we've, once we, we got to get the other mic, so you're <laughs> dialed in, bro. Sorry. Right. I, I will tell you this. Oh my gosh. Right? It's <laughs> so crazy. Congratulations. Man. Thank you. But I will tell you that one thing that I know through, because it will change you. After you become a father, it will change you. It, it stops becoming about you, but then that becomes okay. Mm-hmm. And that sounds like a relief, actually. It, and it kind of is. Sure. At one point, really, like, you have all this pressure <laughs> where you're like, I don't have to do this, but then the pressure now becomes, but I got to provide for you. Yeah. yeah. Ah, I get that. I get that. I get that. What's that have to do with working out, though? So, and thank you. Uh, <laughs> this, right? this comes down to motive. Nobody, nobody will ever understand your motive because you don't express your motive to anyone. Mm-hmm. Your motive can be, I want to look good because I want to look good when I look in the mirror. If that yes, drives, that's not wrong. That becomes bad. I don't think that's wrong. If you want to look good because you want to feel good because you're being the best version of yourself. Mm-hmm. I will tell you, because you question it, that in and of itself tells me the person you are. Your motive is the type of person that you question your activity. That's true. That is huge. Sorry, I, I have no, to make sure. No, you it's true. I'm, I'm, it's I'm true. digesting that a little bit. Um, yeah. Okay, so you tell me this. What, what, is it, this. what does it uncover? But three days in, already I'm, I'm more okay in life. I'm, I can go to sleep and feel okay because I knew I did the work. So I don't know if that's like a biological thing. Oh, your body is getting, you know, you worked out. So you're getting more dopamine or endorphins or whatever. But I think it's more about that. Like my mind races so much. Like, what do I need to be doing? What do I, I need to do more? My, you know, as a child, as an athlete growing up in training, like you, and you realize as you get older, oh, if I had just put in more work, I could have done, I could have yes. actually made it pro or whatever. Yep. Um, so I think a big part of anything uh, for me productive is is just being able to go to sleep knowing that I put in work, that I went forward. That's it. I can't be on a hamster wheel. I can't do it. No. I cannot live life feeling like I'm just living. Like I have to have a goal. I have to have something I'm working for. I thought I didn't want a boss and I thought I hated structure, which sort of is true. Um, but I need accountability at the same time. And, and, um, when you find the right person, partner, friend in life, um, and I think you can have multiples, you can have your loving partner, your girl, your, your relationship, and then a good friend. Um, and so often we pick bad partners. Why? We do. Right. Why? I, I, Why? I, I think that has got to be um, a couple of reasons. One, that it makes you feel better about yourself um, sure. to a degree, right? Like, oh, my problems don't seem as bad. Um, and you feel bad for the person. It's easy. Actually, I don't know, but I have, like, I'm, I'm thinking of one <laughs> you went friend. through this whole cycle yeah. and brought it back to you, Don. Yeah, I don't know because like, why do I do that? It's almost out of pity or whatever, but I have- You, you feel know, bad. I have you a, feel bad. I have a friend, but it's not just that because there's a lot of people I feel bad for, but I just know that there's certain friends I have that 
talking feels good and it's a back and forth and we're listening and they inspire me and vice versa. And then I have other friends who are victims constantly. And this is why I'm not succeeding in the world is bringing me down. I don't mean to be disrespectful to your friends, but, um, I mean, I do it at times. I've done it. I've done it. I've done it. I've done it. It's the, well, no, no, not the pity, but the friends, it's the worst, worst, way to come at life. And that's going back to what we said earlier, glass half full, glass half empty. Yes. It seems so simple. I think it actually is, but even though it's simple, you still have to practice it to, to get you to do. that place. But the gratitude thing that I talked about as well, and, um, you know, picking the right friends, I guess that's the best part about therapy and about growing and developing emotional intelligence and being vulnerable and getting deep in there is you realize like, Oh, life actually can be way happier and way easier. You're going to have work to do and stuff, but like there is a way to do it where you can, you know, be at peace where your mind isn't constantly going in circles about what you forgot, what you need to do. But is that bad? Is that bad? Yes. Why? Because my mind is constantly trying to improve. That's not funny. not on the negative side. Like, but how can I make this better or right. something I fucked up? Uh, dude, even like this past weekend, uh, we had a podcast with with this young activist, and um, I just had this thought in my head, like, why didn't I do this? And this was like what two months ago that we did the podcast, but it, it's just been like kind of eating at me, like, why didn't I do this? Why didn't I do this? And then I came to the realization, like, okay, well, next time this situation happens, don't fucking do that. Right. Um, Reflection's great. It, it is. I'm not taking that away. I, I think why I would say it's bad, and I'm kind of putting this together in my mind right now. But it's like if you're if you're spinning out over it, you already should have done it. You That's know what I mean? true. That's so, true. So like, I uh, read the book, um, the War of Art, not the Art of War, but the War of Art. Uh, I've a lot not of, read that one. I've read okay. the Art of War. So a lot of artists have read it. It's uh, kind of geared towards a writer specifically. Um, but one of the biggest things is your resistance is the strongest right at, on the verge of a breakthrough. So all that, like, Oh, I can't do this. I don't want to, uh, but yeah. I like is right when you're, that's when you got to do it. And that goes hand in hand with the things <laughs> that you constantly are thinking about that are pushing you are the things that you need to do the most. Yes. Um, so reflection and Thinking about life, life, and trying to get perspective, I think, is wonderful. That's a different, yeah. Um, but that's different than what you're talking about. Uh, yeah, just letting yourself literally spiral in your head, and that anxiety, that pain, that you literally can feel yourself yeah. dying every second, and it doesn't have to be that way. I think it's just like get, you know, let yourself reflect, make it purposeful, yeah. do it on purpose, and then make a decision and go with it and trust it. Um, I, I was listening to Mike Tyson, Joe Rogan yeah. podcast on the way up great, here. Great. And he said something about um, fear or whatever it was, you know, anxiety, one of these things and how it's a positive because it, it's, it's an impetus to change. And yeah. I, I agree with that. Um, but stewing in it, I don't agree with. I get and, that. And I feel like there's a way out and I'm the ultimate in stewing because I want to make good decisions. I don't want to hurt anybody. I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. I don't want to make the wrong thing for myself or family or friends or, um, you know, so I'm over analytical. I, I got straight A's my, essentially my entire, Jesus, my entire life, even through college. Um, seriously. Yeah. I won the Joel Leave scholar athlete award. I had the highest GPA of all male athletes at the university how of Georgia. Did you, how did you even manage that? Uh, ingrained. It's like just coded in you. I think that's my competitive nature maybe, but, um, no, I, I was a crammer, so I actually didn't do it 
probably the best way that I could. And now if I was a student, I would absolutely crush because I'd be studying something that I want to do. Yeah. And you realize if you just keep up, it's, it's really not that hard. Of course. Actually digest it and learn it. But yes. Um, where was I going with that? Yeah, well, 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 wherever the fuck you were going with that, what I want to do is I want to <laughs> yeah. bring it back to your story. Okay. That, 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 that was, that was kind of really important. Um, you grew up in Georgia, right? Yes. Um, same house my whole entire life. Um, until a couple of years ago, my, I had my first 30 Christmases probably in the exact same living room. Um, Holy shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are so. you, uh, what was that like? And what was, uh, life for you? Was it a small town? Was it, uh, you know, was it super heavily influenced by sports? What the fuck was it? <laughs> um, yeah, you got to get out to really know what you even had and where you come from. Uh, you just don't even realize it, especially as a kid, but I <laughs> was so true. Yeah. I would, I, so suburbs of Atlanta, about 20 miles North of Atlanta, okay. but definitely didn't feel like I was an Atlanta boy because my parents weren't the type. We didn't go into the city and, um, very often for anything. Um, so I didn't really experience Atlanta and, and everything. I just had my little community in Peachtree Corners. Everything was Peachtree. I went to Peachtree Elementary. I lived in Peachtree Station. Um, Peachtree, <laughs> yeah, Peachtree Corner Circle was the big road. So um, grew up in that house. I loved it. Uh, I now, even looking back, love my childhood even more once you sort of realize what you had, yeah. which is cool. I guess that's kind of no, interesting. Like if you can look back and have even more gratitude and even appreciate something more, do you get to like enjoy it again? Uh, I don't know about, about it again, but you get to, you definitely enjoy it. And it, there's this huge nostalgic factor to it. Oh, you know, nostalgia. I Why? It. It's, uh, maybe I have, maybe I'm doing the it wrong. What is wrong with maybe you? I'm doing it wrong because I, it's, it's, it hurts, man. Yes, it's it hurts, love. but it's beautiful at the same time. It it's is. like watching, you know, <laughs> having a smell or watching an episode of Friends or fucking going down that one street. Like, yeah, yeah it's like, fuck, I can't ever get back to that point. But fuck, it was amazing. Yeah. It was so amazing, especially being a kid. You you don't realize how fucking easy and just beautiful life is. And you just think life is this fucking just weird thing that it really is not no ideas and we take things so so many things for granted but it's still amazing yeah it hurts i love that i think i think i was literally laying in bed last night because i get to thinking about death and you know my parents dying and ever since i was a boy like i'll still if i'm sitting there and i can't sleep my that's why i'll fall asleep with the tv on so often because i'm trying not to let my my brain go there um, I do the same thing. I think there's a lot of people that like terrible. that. Do yeah. that again. There we there go. We go. There Motherfucker. We go. Motherfucker. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I forgot that they could see it. If they couldn't see it, we could yeah. have a wimp, wimpy yeah. hand. Yeah. Uh, have five, but they saw Fuck it. Fuck so that, do. dude. No um, wimpy shit. Um, so, yeah, nostalgia. Last night, just even thinking about that, and I had to breathe and just become present. And that's, an, that's another thing why earlier we said it was bad to – just getting stuck in your head and and forgetting this moment is the only thing that actually is is, yeah. is, is negative. So I'm I'm working on that. I want to get to that place because every I love my life. I love what I've built. I love my family. I love that I'm here right now and I spend so much time not appreciating it. Um, yeah. you know, worrying about where I'm going and and uh, fear. Another quote. I won't get it exactly right, but somebody said something like, um. So why would you spend all this time leading up? Like, okay, I'm fearful of getting to this glass. 
So what might happen? Well, I can be fearful and in pain and pain and pain. And then, oh, it happens and I'm in more pain, right? Or I can be in pain and pain and it doesn't actually go that way and I feel good. Or I can just be here present. And once I get to that place, it is painful or it's not, but yes. at least I've saved myself in this whole lead up, right? So um, true. So, so yeah, I just, I want to do better about that and just not worrying about what's to come and what's to come is going to happen. And if you truly have love around you and you have somebody to hold you and be, be, you know, share that with, then everything's going to be okay anyway. It is. It definitely And then is. I can appreciate the nostalgia. Then when I, you know, when I do lose somebody that I love or when I'm, I have to move out of that house and I smell that smell that reminds me of my grandparents' house in Washington, D.C., the same bushes always do it. Yeah. Um, I can be a little happier, I think. Um, I, I guess it just scares me, man. Mortality is scary. It's, Having one go at it is really scary. You know, you said one go, like you faced it. One go in life, I'm saying like it's scary to think you live, you die, and you're done. Although I'm very much starting to believe that there's more. Um, There, there definitely might be. There might not be. um, But the crazy thing is, is at least from my perspective, um, when I was 31, for over the holidays, I was long, long story short, I fucking was in the hospital for like three weeks. I was in ICU for like a week and a half. They, I had, they had to trach me. I was on life support. Oh my gosh. Um, a cool scar or anything? Yeah. Not, 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 no. Well, maybe after okay. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now that you ate your mic. <laughs> um, no, no, no. I, and, and the, the crazy thing was is like when I was faced with it, like, and I honestly thought I was going to die, right? Mm-hmm. And at first I was scared. But then all I cared about was my family. I cared about my wife and I wanted to make sure that she was okay. And that scary feeling went away. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't happen. Obviously I'm here today. Um, are, you, are you real? Uh, am I real? <laughs> um, but uh, it was the, everything that happened after I got out of the hospital that fucked my head up for a long time. Um, DMT de- definitely helped me work through that. Uh, but uh, you know, it, it all happens to us, man. It's going to be our time one way or another. Um, I try not to think about it. I try not to focus on it. Sometimes it happens. Mm-hmm. Um, but at least from my perspective, when that time does come, uh, it's not as scary as you think it is. Uh, but everyone's different. Everyone's I, no, different. I actually think I actually would agree with that. Um, I, I imagine death will be, easier than I expected. You know, I imagine there will be a piece that comes with it. And, and, um, you hear those stories about people that kind of died and came back and, and, uh, I think you get a big rush of some of these, maybe some sort of psychedelic effect. I don't know. Anyways, I think it's going to be easier, but you said you thought about family, right? Um, and my grandfather, two-star general in the army, my dad's dad, amazing we called him g-dad for granddad g-dad i love that gangsters yeah exactly what up g-dad what up g-dad shout out to (laughs) g-dad shout out to g-dad amazing man amazing man um but he wasn't like you wouldn't get the hug where you're just it's not like the mother's bosom hug it was it turned into handshakes right And when my dad started to try and just do handshakes with me i was like nope we're hugging like yes i want to hug you man i love you i want to like we're not friends you're my dad um, but Respect. even towards the, the end, um, he, 
I remember my mom saying that he even was like, it's all about family, which is just interesting because he was, he was, he wasn't that guy. I mean, he was awesome and fun and friendly and lovey, but he, you know, he was still a general and, um, a lot of these guys, Steve jobs. I remember at the end, he, Dude, he, yeah. he was apparently very cold and his personal his skills were, were not up to par maybe, but um, I remember hearing that it's yep. all about family, That's and it. and uh, so that that makes me even more eager to start one of my own and have one, even though the trials and tribulations are going to be tough. <laughs> if if you want to speak to that yeah. at all, um, and and I'm excited, but. Uh, it, that's another thing that actually gives me peace about my career and money and where I'm going is like at the end of the day, it really is just about sharing my heart with these people that I love and you can yeah. build your family and your friend, you know, your friends can kind of become your family, but like, let myself appreciate that. Let myself and be happy all day, every day, because I have this amazing network of people that love me and I, and I, I don't even know what I'm saying, but it's just like, no, it makes sense. dude, it's, it's everything. Everybody who dies and you would think would be crotchety and rigidy. Everybody, everybody no. comes back to its family and love. That's what it is. Um, but, but how do you get rid of all the muck in life, all that stuff, the layers that go over it so that you can just appreciate it and live in it? What do you think? It, well, we, dude, when the time does come, all those things just fall by the wayside. Mm -hmm. you know, I, all I know is from my perspective, and I was facing it, man. I was getting um, multiple, multiple blood transfusions. They couldn't get it leveled. <sighs> Um, you, when your hemoglobin level is supposed to be at, you know, like 12 to 14, 15, mine was at like five. Um, it was, it was, it was really fucking bad. And looking back at it, like, I cannot imagine what my wife went through when they walked into the door and they, they wanted her to like sign the paper. God forbid anything happened. Like, you know, that, that old fucking scene that we see in fucking all movies or TV mm, shows when they take like the DNR or back. something. Yeah, they take it. Exactly. Um, but for, for, for me, man, it was scary in the beginning, but then all of a sudden just peace came over me and so I just wanted my family to be okay. How do you feel like we, as men specifically, um, but as humans though, can walk that way through life on a more regular basis, how can he being a, a dad with a 40 day year old or 40, 40 day, yeah, yeah, 40 old, day. Baby, you, did you need to be open and real? You um, have to be open, man. I mean, with 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 kids, men, you know, this whole entire thing is like we got to be tough and we got to be strong. It's like, yeah, sure, we have to be right. But when the time calls for it, but there are other times where you have to be emotional and you have to shed a tear and you have to hug. And how you do you do that? Love. Go to therapy. Go to therapy. <laughs> for me, um, you know, it's it's always been a part of me. Like you being strong and being tough, that's being a part of me. But at the same time, being emotional and open and talking has been a part. Oh. And the only time that I can look back where I kept things in was when I wanted to fucking off myself after going through that experience of me almost dying. And then not, I remember when I walked outside, um, it was like December 23rd or 24th. And I was in New York city cause I was visiting my mom. And, um, and I just grabbed the fucking grass. I touched the ground. Like we talked about at the beginning of this fucking podcast. The very first thing I did was put my hands on the goddamn ground. And, and it just, nothing made sense. Because when you think you're going to die, you truly think you're going to die. And then you don't. 
it's the weirdest thing. And then six months later, I had a Britney moment. I shaved my head, shaved my eyebrows. <laughs> Poor <laughs> like, Britney, man. <laughs> but I straight up did that, dude. I was in New Orleans. Like, it was fucking terrible. What is going through your head? So that moment when you're like, I'm going to shave my eyebrows, is it? Is you're you just trying to like... I was what on. Do do? What's the feeling? What do? Why? I had been. What's so, it going to solve? So I had been so sad for those six months, and I kept everything in. Where normally I don't. Normally I talk about it. Like I fucking talk my wife's ear off. I talk everyone's ear off. I'm really open about everything. This podcast has changed my fucking life. Um, truly, it You're has just changed doing my this life. For therapy for it, yourself, straight up, and and the other way around. But um, those six months, I had kept this in, like. I just, it just, nothing made sense. And then, you know, eventually things started to crack and I was in New Orleans and I was fucked up and I took a Xanax bar and I was drinking and, and I just, I couldn't grasp why I was alive and why I was here. And, and I remember I was like trying to like shave my beard and like I fucked up and then I just got so angry and so mad and I shaved my fucking beard off. And then I was like trying to line this side up and I was just so mad. I shaved my fucking head. And then I like had this little bit of unibrow. I shaved my eyebrows off and it was the stupidest thing I've ever done. (laughs) It was so fucking dumb, but it, it, it was like shedding a fucking skin because mm-hmm. ever since that fucking, well, it wasn't since that moment, but it was a week later when I went through that DMT experience because my buddy had been saving DMT for me and because um, I wasn't ready to fucking do it. I wanted to do it when it when I was ready. Yeah, that one it sounds scary. It's a lot. And, um, and I remember, and I'll just talk about it again. And then we're going to get back to your story. Um, I, I remember I got home from this trip and I hit up my friend and I was like, I, I just, I need to do this man. Cause like, I'm going to fucking off myself, like straight up fucking kill myself. And, um, and so I go to the studio that we recorded at as, uh, as we were kids, cause I was in this band called the dream team. And, nice. um, it, it was a lot of fun, but that being said, um, so, so I do the, I, I get there and I'd sit on the bed, sit on this bed and I take the first hit, the second hit, the third, and I do four hits because I, I know if you do three hits, you're like here, four hits, you're past the fucking, you're just past it. Mm-hmm. And, and I remember falling back and, and I was laying on the bed and I instantly, like, I felt like I was naked, dude, like fucking naked, but I knew I had clothes on. Right. Mm-hmm. And I look up and, and, and I see these eyes and I see this face and, and all I can think of is like, this is my dad. Like this was my fucking dad. Mm -hmm. And I start having this conversation with him and I'm like, dad, I want to, and my friend even says like, like he hears me talking. Like, it sounds like I'm talking to myself, but Mm -hmm. like I'm hearing someone. I was like, dad, I, I'm, I'm done. I don't, I don't get it. Like, I don't know why I'm here. I thought I was supposed to die. And like, I'm crying. And he goes, Brock, he goes, it's, it's not your time. You have a lot to live for. He goes, it's not your time. And then he left. And I, I, you know, DMT is, is not that long of a trip. You can feel like you're in it for hours. I felt like I was in it for hours, but it's only like 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I remember coming out of it that feeling of wanting to kill myself instantly fucking gone mm. 
I don't know how many years of therapy I would have had to done. I don't even know. And that lat, like that stayed with you, like not just to for this the next day, day like to it, this it, day, you really feel like there is changing. no fucking way I would ever off myself. There's no fucking way. I never was that person, but going through the experience of me almost dying and all that shit, like I, I, I couldn't cope with things. Right. Um, but ever since then, like no fucking fuck that dude. I think that was your, I, I, I believe that was your dad. No, like, it was I my dad. It really was. It your was dad, my dad. Man. It was like, my dad. It was my dad. Um, was it him? Energy spirit ghost. I don't fucking know, him, yeah. but it's, 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 it was my consciousness, right? Oh, um, whatever the fuck it yeah, was. We don't even know what we are. Anyway, exactly. So what is consciousness? God. I don't know. I don't know, but it was, it was by far one of the most amazing experiences wow. of my life and it saved my life to this day. It's amazing. And I wouldn't be having this conversation with you. Yeah. Um, and, and I truly believe that um, I was brought back here to do something like this, to have mm. these conversations with people, to share people's stories. And I know we haven't even dove deep into your story because we're just going off on these tangents. <sighs> I don't know. But, yeah, it's going to um, be impossible. No, no, we no. I'm, I'm going to get about. it. What I'm going to do, though, <laughs> is I'm going to take a quick piss. You're going to take it over and I'll be right back. All right. I literally, we could talk for three hours, man. This is crazy. That's it. I, uh, I had something in the back burner. You said that you went through the love languages. Mm-hmm. Tell me about that experience. What was that like? What was it like going through it? What did you, what did you learn about yourself and what did you learn about your partner? Well, I think with these, those kind of like games or, you know, just getting into it. I think I was still are still, I was going into it a little bit uncomfortable and not really giving all of myself fully. Um, just, I don't know why, you know, I want to be able to fully lean in, but there, there's a weird piece of me that just starts to feel prickly about fully letting myself love. So something I got to figure out. Um, but, uh, I think it just made me aware of the language thing in general, like at least when we're speaking and you're speaking Spanish, I'm speaking English, you know, right. You know, you, you know that you're speaking two different languages, but when you start going through the love language quiz and seeing, you know, how each of you, what each of you needs from the other or, or from a partner, it just opens up your eyes that you literally could be living in two different realities. Um, perspective is reality. And I truly believe that. And just how you see things. I mean, one person can truly see um, a red and white stop sign and another person could see uh, an octagonal uh, Frisbee. I mean, whatever the point is, it's, it's, it's perspective. So um, I think that was just a really important part of my life where I it helped me to come to terms or to go forward realizing that you got to get on the same page with somebody like um, somehow to get to like that neutral zone. He asked me about the love languages and, and when we went and how that changed me and everything. And, um, and I'm trying to work that out in my head. Like, but I, I think that the best thing I could say, yeah, is just that you, you realize you're not even communicating before about certain things because of the assumptions that you hold or what have you. I love your face on every, everywhere, by the way. Um, God, it's such a good face. Um, look, he's doing the same thing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just in, in life, man, sometimes you, you think, you know, and you have no idea, dude. Yeah. So like, um, yeah, just 
continuing to work and figure out what communication is, I guess. Um, No, we both did. We we both went through it. Um, This is a person. This is part of my story. But one issue I need to get better at is I'm always. If you ask me what's your favorite color, what's your favorite band, I would freak out because I I hate to like say I can't. I don't want to give the wrong answer. I'm like, well, I don't. I don't really know because like sometimes it's this and sometimes it's that. So even taking those quizzes like personality tests or whatever it might be, I have such trouble because I want to talk to the person writing and it be like, well, look, I'm I am this way, but this time I'm this way. Like I can't really black white box myself in. I feel of like course. I'm so gray, you of know? Of course, I think a lot of so people are like that. I'm always afraid, or I feel like I'm outthinking the test. So mm-hmm. I, when I'm taking these, you already have an idea in your mind, like, oh, like, okay, I'm I'm supposed to end up with this result, so I guess I like holding hands more than I like, you know, having <laughs> dinner, whatever it might be. Um, so, yeah, I, I think quality time was high up on my list, like we were talking earlier, and, and for her, their physical touch and... Um, you know, maybe just like saying I love you and stuff uh, were more important. And and meanwhile, I'm sitting on the couch with her. We're watching a show at night and just being together. And I thought that I was showing her my love. So I, I think it, it's just a cool thing to add to to use that perspective in all parts of my life. Like just remember that you might not even be speaking the same language and figure out how to delve into that and, and and hopefully make people people feel um safe and yeah. and vice versa because it's just really easy not to be honest with yourself or the person you're talking about of if course. you feel like you're gonna hurt their feelings or you don't even know what's inside you. Like I don't wanna sometimes I've been uneasy in my relationships and specifically with the girlfriend, right? And I knew like oh, I'm not happy and like oh like I'm angry and I don't but I don't even want to have a conversation with her because I'm afraid that when I we start talking, whatever comes out isn't gonna be a isn't going to make her happy and then it could destroy everything by trying to make it better. I destroy everything. And that's another (laughs) thing I think with women that I've realized, man, again, love and security. Like even if you say something like, Oh baby, this is on my mind and it's scaring me. I don't know what it means. Like, and it could be something really hurtful to her. If you lead and end with, I'm talking to you about this because I love you so much and I want to be with you. You that then you can kind of say anything and, and the women at least, you're right. My, Ashley, my girlfriend has been, is so supportive with that. And, um, you're honest and you're real, it's man. It's really cool. So yeah, they, people want authenticity. And so yes. whatever language you're speaking, I, I think that's, Hey man, you just took me to therapy. I think what I boiled it down to <laughs> is like, I don't even know how much it matters if my love language is different than Brock's, but if I'm truly being real, then they're going to sense it. They're going to know it. And we're going to know we love each other and it's all going to yeah. work out. Right. hundred percent. So so I just got to figure that part out is, um, and I guess that's a life battle. Um, but I think time, traveling man. is so huge. The things that help you feel small, again, it all is going to sound trite and kind of cliche, <laughs> but there's a reason that cliche is a thing because you know, a it, it's a, it's, it's real. Yeah. Um, I was watching this new show away last night and there it's about these people going to Mars and they're on the spaceship looking back at earth. And it's just a, isn't it weird when, when earth is tiny or when you're traveling and home is so far away that it puts you at this place of peace, yep. because all of a sudden you're like, 
my problems aren't that important or it's perspective. Uh, yeah. So it's always goes back to perspective. So I want to, I want to make that, I'm going to listen to this podcast back to help myself. <laughs> and for 2021 is to continue to think of cool ways to get gain perspective on a regular basis, like yeah. make it a weekly thing. And it doesn't have to be a big deal, but do something that is going to wake up your brain and be like, Oh, I didn't see it this way. And then you can decide what fork, you know, what way you t- take on the fork in the road. <laughs> Um, but if there's just so much life out there that we don't even know is there because you don't know until you don't, what is it? You have the things that you, you don't know, or you know, you don't know. Then you have the things that you don't know, you don't know. And then you have the things that you know, but the things that you don't know, you don't know, dude, yes, shut up and stop whining. Like life is, there's so much life out there. You got to figure out how to explore. You got to look for the adventure. You have to figure out how to let your, your defenses down, stop playing the victim, pick up your feet, go take responsibility for your own shit. (laughs) But, uh, but do it with gratitude. God, I sound no, 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 no. This is the quote. This is the fucking clip that you did the other fucking week. It's the same fucking. Exactly. That's the problem. It's the same thing, but it's so true. Go ahead. It takes an extra gear. And I've always taken this as, uh, as when you're driving a car, you got gears, right? And I, I used to talk to people and they're like, Daniel, you have this thing where your personality can mold. I always took that as a, that's distrustful because I feel like, man, that's bad. I'm not consistent. It's not that. It's that you have gears. And the fact that you even hit that gear of, I don't know what I don't know, you're like 90% of it ahead of the game because yep. I can't tell you that that lesson, <laughs> that, right, just to get there in life. It's so true. individuals do you know that won't say that? Yes. And I'll show you that I know. And if you don't know this, then let me beat you down. Yep. That's that's why we were just talking about that PC friendly. Yes. That's a (laughs) fuck. Come on. People like that though. That know everything right and oh no, I fucking hate that. That's the worst. And 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 it's a funny thing, right? Because they're doing it usually. Um, it's an identity thing, and it's probably an ego thing, right? So they're doing it to show you they're cool, or and they want to feel feel good about themselves. Little do they realize that makes people not want to be around uh-huh. you, you know, and like, I'm not impressed if you know everything in the world. I'm impressed no. if we can have a conversation and, and we can both be listening to each yes. other. Um, and I, I know that I've, I'm not the best at that all the time, especially when anger gets involved, but it's defense that ruins humans, man. It's the, yes. it's this ridiculous thing that we have to protect our ego at all times um, I don't know if you've ever read any Eckhart Tolle, but um, I started reading a couple years ago again, which was the best thing I could have ever done for myself. It mm-hmm. it's the, immediately puts me in a place of peace because your brain, brain stops going in circles and you're present, yes, right? Sir. Um, but uh, yeah, he talked a lot about the ego and it's just so funny. Like it, that's the simple fix yeah. the, the, with my girlfriend, with my family, with friends that I'm meeting out on the tennis court when I'm competing, when I'm acting, when I'm trying to cry in a scene, like do I, people do not care, bro. People <laughs> don't care that much about you. No, um, not in, not in a way like not in a the bad way. Like I think people love and and care for you uh, if you'll connect with them. But people don't really care when you screw up or when you do something silly they or don't. if you fart and it stinks or whatever. Like no, they don't. No, it's they fun don't. and it's funny and it's connection yes. and it's like why as humans are we so connected to trying to be perfect to try and get it right? Like even in acting class, sometimes I remember I would be scared because like oh, but I want to get it right. I want my teacher to approve of me. 
Of well, course. Like, what? No, like it's uh, it's fucking ridiculous. Uh, it's funny that you said that because, like, uh, for me, um, uh, before I really went on the business side of my industry, I would educate all across the country. Right? I would be teaching, um, you know, hair like in different hairstyles and things like that in front of a couple hundred people, a couple thousand people, right? And and this is what I did for quite some time. Um, I had no problem performing in front of 5,000 people that I had no idea who the fuck they were. But as soon as fucking a few of my peers get in front of me, two, three of them, it's a fucking different story. It is a different story. And what is that? I don't fucking know, but it happens to all of us. Um, But, you know, just as we kind of go back and forth, right, I'm once again going to bring us back to your story. Let's do it. Right? All right. So, um, obviously, acting, that is your thing today, right? (laughs) Um, But what was your thing? One of them. What was your thing in high school? Mm -hmm. Was it? It was sports, obviously. Mm -hmm. Am I correct or am I incorrect? Oh, it was a huge part of who I was. For was it sure. acting? Um, I think I always, always, always have loved um, being in the spotlight, you know, the attention as long as, as long as I'm prepared for it. You know, I don't want to be doing something that I'm not going to put on a good show. But yeah, so ever since I was a little boy, I was always trying to get in the spotlight and get the attention and make people laugh. I was you know, three years old and having conversations with adults, that kind of thing. And, um, and so I, I always loved connecting with humans and, and making people laugh and smile and, and, and performing whatever that might be, which actually kind of, I think hurt me as an athlete because I got, I was just majorly like a head case. Um, but I'm still working on breaking that in my, in the tennis game and I'm going to be the best I've ever been still going to be the best I've ever been. I'm getting there. Respect. Um, so growing up as a kid, I mean, grades were huge. Uh, so I was a straight A kid basically my entire life. And I think that was probably an approval thing. Yeah. Um, I also came sure. to that a couple of years ago when you realize like a, almost, I think a lot more of my life is dedicated to getting approval from my dad and, and my mom still. Yeah. Um, it's wild. Like you just want to make them proud. Like, so I couldn't make it as a pro tennis player, which would have definitely been my dad's like dream. He wanted to have it for himself. He wanted somebody who wanted to train and really wanted it. But then, you know, like growing up, there was always, uh, value put on money. Right. And value put on just, um, I think even with the acting thing, just the, the fact that we, uh, sensationalize actors and celebrities and stuff that much, I think had to kind of went into what and ended up getting me here. So just wanting to hear that your parents are proud of you, you know, it's wanting, so wanting true, to make man. them feel like, feel excited. And yeah. Um, and they'd love me no matter what, but I'm still seeking that approval. It's, it's, that. it's just crazy. Um, so grades, um, and tennis was a huge thing. I played a lot of sports as a kid. Um, Baseball, soccer, uh, roller hockey, um, tennis, basketball, basketball for a little bit. I did like spring practice in football in high school just to prove to myself I could do it. Roller hockey was actually my number one favorite sport I ever played as far as just fun factor. Really? Yeah, dude. I mean, I liked the physical. I really enjoy. I was never a huge guy, but I always felt tough. Yeah. And I enjoyed, so I enjoyed getting to feel tough by getting to get hit and getting and hitting other people. I love skating. You know, I was a big rollerblader. 
Um, never got into skateboarding, <laughs> but I was a blader for sure. And we was that the know, Georgia thing? I don't know. No, there was borders, but I I loved skate along as a kid where you go and yeah. it was like your school goes and you go to a roller rink. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. and, and I think it's like skate you know, lab. I would chase, you know, you chase girls when you're, I've been girl crazy my whole life, man. Like, so like super girl crazy. Um, so I just still remember back to going to skate along. And one of my favorite parts of that was the races. They do a race and you get a wooden coin as like for a free drink. But I love the races so much because I wanted to impress people. I wanted the the girls to think I was cool and whatever. And, yeah, yeah. Um, and so anyways, got into blading. We, my friends were like aggressive skating and stuff trying to, I could never, I didn't never really got like tricks grind, and shit like and grinding grinds, yeah. and whatever. Yeah. We had the pool and like all mm-hmm. the railroad ties are all, you know, they had sex wax on them and all that. Yes, like, yes, yeah. yes, 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 yes. That was <laughs> um, skateboarding for me, but same shit. Yeah. So, so yeah, my summers were f- filled with that. What, what, what was what was the point of that? Um, the, the point of it was I was asking you. I have no idea what the fuck I was asking you now, but uh, you do. <laughs> <laughs> you were really talking, trying to dig deep in the story of your athletics. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Roller hockey. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank well, you. I just wanted to know if like acting was a thing when you were no. younger, or athletics was the no. thing. No, acting was not a thing at all. That that's actually a crazy part of my story. I came. I I moved to Los Angeles as a 22 year old. Um, played all the sports, got really deep into tennis. I did one play in high school my junior year, my, the year before my sister had done Greece and my best friend was playing, um, Kanicki and a lot of my friends were in it. And I just, I was obsessed and I love the movie. The songs are so good. And I wanted so badly to be up there on stage. dude. I can't even to this day, go to a concert and fully enjoy it because I'm sitting there wanting to be that person. So yeah, yeah. clearly I have an issue with there. I need to work, figure that out. Like I need people to be, you know, I want to control their mind space. I want it control. I want them to love me. Respect yeah, though, want, for you to be respect. so honest about that, yeah. dude. Res- you know that. Yes. You, because then it stops becoming, this is an issue I have that I need to deal with. That maybe that's just Okay. It doesn't have to be bad, right? Yeah. Like, no, no. I, I think it's. I think it could be really harmful in interpersonal relationships and, and things of that nature, and it can make you be tough on yourself. But in general, I believe as I embrace it more and say, "Yeah, I like. I love to be in control, or I love. Yes. You know, I I like the center the, of attention, the, the center man. Of attention, yeah. Come on. But then be then you can make it healthy. But when yes. you're not trying to like push it down and you're not trying to hide it or you're not trying to, you know, change or whatever. Just if you're not afraid of it, then you can embrace it and, and make it the best, make it make you the actors best you can be. And, right? Actors and actresses in general. I mean, that's a huge fucking thing, man. Mm-hmm. Like wanting to be the center of attention, wanting to put on a show that people love and appreciate. And they're all looking at him or her, right? Like, but for you to be so honest about it, Right. Like more people need to be honest with that because it's not a bad thing. Yeah. Do are are so many actors. I don't even want to watch myself or like, Oh, it's not about that. Like it's just the art and the craft and like, that's cool. But I wonder how many of those people actually mean that and how many actually wanted the attention. I think there are different. I think there's a left brain and a right brain kind of guy, almost that, that type thing. 
Um, I've become both. Once I really started studying the craft, when I moved out here and and learned how to, you know, break a script down and learned about filling that white space on the page and learning just different methodologies and things like that. Like now, I accept that there's a craft and then there's an art. Two different things, right? Yeah, yeah. And they go hand in hand. And I believe that with everything, with my tennis, with my relationships, there's craft, there's art. So, um, so yeah, junior year of high school, the year after my sister had done that play, I knew I wanted to do it, but the day for tryouts came along and it was bye bye birdie. Grace guys are gonna clear up, put on a happy face and spread sunshine all over the place. Woo! Uh, just put on a happy face. Um, so yeah, so we were doing, we were doing, we were doing bye bye birdie and, and, uh, my, my, my friends actually used to joke and call me shit break because, uh, I would often push off studying for tests. Like I said, yeah yeah and, um, quite often I would call my mom in the middle of the day and be like, mom, I'm so sorry. I'm not ready for this test. And she would check me out. I would study up, take it the next day and, and, and all was good, but I'm gangster. My mom's awesome. Yeah. I, I, I did what I had to do to get the grade. Um, but you know, and my mom, I don't know if that's a good, my mom probably enabled me a little bit there. Sure. Actually. For sure. Um, but but, it's a good, (laughs) just like, look at it, man. You looked at things differently. It's like you weren't like me, who was like, "Fuck the test, fuck all of this. I don't give a shit." Like I, I honestly did not care. I got my GED. Like I did not <laughs> care back then. Now, as an adult, like I'm super into fucking studying and just fucking research. And you know, like if I did school as an adult now, I'd have straight A's. Yeah. Back then, I had straight F's. Yeah. But for you to be able to fucking not kind of give a shit and then up to the point where you had to give a shit you did what you had to do and then still pass like yeah here's the thing though it's brilliant if i didn't give a shit and all that time and then gave a shit then it would be okay but i'm the kind of guy that gives a shit the whole time i just sit there and stew in it and can't get myself to do these things so i'm like oh i don't want to study i don't want to study oh and I still do it, bro. Like I get to the point where if I don't start whatever I have to do at that moment, whether that's yeah, studying lines for a script or paying a bill or whatever, if I don't do it then, then it's too late. That's when I get started. I start that paper where last word's going to be written two seconds before I'm turning it in. So that, no, no good. Um, I get that. I, but, well, as an adult, it's a different story. But, it, yeah. you know, what, the, but it's not. Here's the, here's, the, here's the good thing that goes with that, though. <laughs> are you making justifications for the things that you do i, I might be i might be what it reminded me that a box um i thought i could be the most creative if you asked me to go write a script i thought i would be the most creative if you said you can go write anything you want right that's not true i'm my most creative when you give me some parameters right you give me a couple dots we've got you know five dots on the page and then I could go connect them and create whatever picture I want. Yeah. Um, and so I feel like that's sort of like why waiting until you have no other option is, is good uh, with certain things. Like if I didn't start writing that paper, I'm not going to get it done. But now that I have to, I have some constraints or restrictions, it almost brings out more of your creativity. No, no, I get that. You know, like you, you stop overthinking and you just let your intuitive side and your guts show through. So I got checked out from school. My friends made fun of me, called me a shit break. And um, because I didn't know the audition was that day and I had to go learn a song and I didn't know theater at all. And I didn't know much, but I played guitar and I had just learned Desperado with my guitar. Yes, teacher. yes, yes, yes. Um, Great. Why don't song. you come to your senses? You've been now riding fences. 
so long now. Um, Woo! Nice. We got a mic in front of you. <laughs> yes. God damn. I'm loving this. Um, it's a great podcast. So I went, uh, <laughs> I went, I went home, learned the song, and then I came back to school for the audition and I ended up booking the lead of the show um Shit. with my Are kind of first interview. yeah yeah so i had like four songs and i was in like 18 of 25 scenes and 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 it was it was great um but then uh after that play it was back to tennis you know i was really at that point trying to get a scholarship trying to go big with tennis who knows you know maybe pro whatever um so i went to college walked on the tennis team at university of georgia i had actually sent in here's another indecisive piece of me i had sent in my money to Wake Forest and Georgia because I got into, I think, yeah, like Miami, Wake Forest, Georgia. Anyways, I couldn't make that decision. So I sent in both. Wake Forest thinks I'm showing up freshman weekend. And I ended up being like, uh, I can go to UGA for free on Hope Scholarship if you keep a B average in Georgia in the state of Georgia Shit. state schools pay our free tuition. Or I can go to Wake Forest and spend, you know, come out with $160,000 worth of debt. Fuck that. Yeah. So I went to Georgia, but they had the, um, you know, they've always been top five tennis teams in the nation and they had won NCAAs and they were, they were great. And I was good at tennis, but I was way better in practice and I got the yips. And anyways, I never got to a level where they would have recruited me. So I went there and I said, you know, I'm going to give it a go. And I walked on that team. The first, I think the first two days of tryouts, I beat two guys on the team. I don't know if I ever did after that, (laughs) um, which is crazy. So walked on, which was a life changing. I mean, one of the best, coolest things I could have ever asked for was being a part of that. Just the, the, you know, the fellowship with the guys, yeah. but being a part of a team. And also the, I wanted to quit every day, man, like, cause it was hard. We'd be up running at six 30 in the morning, go to class. Then we'd have practice, then the gym. And then when most kids are just, uh, you know, done with everything and chilling, we haven't even started looking at our books yet. Right. Yes. But it taught me discipline. It continued to teach me discipline and just being a part of a team and going for something like you yep. just, if you do it, if you go for things, and maybe I'm charmed, I don't know, man, but pretty much everything that I've ultimately really put my head towards one way or another, I've accomplished. And yes. it doesn't always look like whatever you thought it was. I didn't play in the lineup really at all, but I ended up winning a national championship uh, in, in college tennis because I went, I showed up and I kept showing up and, yeah. and, and I played my role, man. You know, I tried to do what I could for the team. Um, so walked oh, on. Okay, oh, go ahead. Oh, and real quick. I talk about this all the time, but the greatest quote ever given to me is four words, four words, very, very, very simple. Just fucking do it. <laughs> okay, Shia LaBeouf. No, really? Do it! Just fucking do it! Okay, well, that wasn't from him. It was from Tyler Turner. But still, um, it was the whole reason that this whole podcast even it's fucking true, started. It's true, bro. My that God. is everything. That's all we could do. We could look at the cameras and literally just do it. Do it. Yes. Dude, fucking do it, man. Do it. I'm literally feeling what I'm saying. I mean yes. this. Do it. Do it. Because yes. you, even if you don't go, you don't get to where you think you're going to go, you are you're going to be more, you're going to be more fulfilled. You're going to be able to sleep at night. Like we talked about, man, just show up, put one foot in front of the other. And all of a sudden, all that, 
on discomfort and anxiety that you thought you were going to have about doing it starts to fade away, man. Like, it's so you know, true. I was anxious on the car ride because it's scary. I don't know you guys. We're about yeah. to go talk. What am I going to say? And as soon as I talk to you, all that fades away and, and you feel like a million bucks, but you got to get over that hump. You do. You got to be able to do it. Dude, dude. <laughs> uh, before I started the podcast, probably um, 2019, half of 2018, right? I get through that like mental episode of my life but I was really becoming like a recluse, man. I was like really locking myself in my house. I didn't want to hang out with people. I didn't want to talk to people. Um, but once I just fucking did it, right. Just fucking went for it for this podcast. Like that's why, like in the beginning, like we, we talked about like, if anything comes out of this, right. It's like, we became fucking best friends. And for me, I'm not fucking a hermit in the hole. <laughs> Fuck no you, bro. You talk about We've got it. Yes, uh, yes, I yes, imagine. yes, absolutely. But it's like, I, I, I don't know, man. In life, so many people get so scared or they get so caught up in like the moment that they just forget. Like if you just push through, regardless of what happens at the end result, you just fucking doing it is so important. You ask all the greatest fucking business, you ask fucking Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos, like any of these dudes, right? Any any of these girls that have created multi-million, billion dollar businesses, what is the biggest thing that they've, like the biggest thing that they've ever taken from through life experiences is their failures. Mm -hmm. The things that they did, but they failed at it. Mm-hmm there's something to say when you just fucking do it mm -hmm. right for acting for you for whatever it is for this person what of uh, what what an importance it is on the long-term effect of your life mm -hmm. it's it it is yeah it's the point man yeah. I, I feel like that's I've done that a yes. million times where I'm like, well, I could tell this guy had a rocket, but why can't I tell myself? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I love that word discipline and I'm reading 12 rules of life. Um, Jordan Peterson and yeah. And, shout out to Jordan. Yes. Guys, dude, he is, he just says it how it is. Like, well, that's just, what I like about him. Fucking yeah. brilliant. And I feel like nowadays in this world, some people would label him as a really, you know, some, with some really negative things. Yes. You of know, course. maybe even just for his politics, but, but, um, but I've enjoyed reading this book so far. And, um, and the chapter, the most recent one I read was, um, don't let your kids do anything to make you hate them. And, but it came down to discipline, right? It's scary. You don't want your kids to, to be sad or whatever. So you don't want to actually discipline them. But disciplining is not punishment. Disciplining is a gift. It's a reward, man. It teaches you how to achieve. It teaches you how to let yourself love yourself, man. It teaches yes. you discipline. Discipline is commitment. Discipline is, is some, doing the, the challenging thing in, in that moment, uh, that, I don't even know, dude. Yeah, discipline. Look it up. What does it say? Look it up. What does it say? What, Jordan, dude. Here are the definitions for All right. The first one, a discipline is a noun. The practice of training people to obey rules or a code of behavior using punishment to correct disobedience. That's the negativity. Why is Look it? at the very bottom, the verb. And then the verb. Train someone to obey rules of a code oh. of behavior using punishment to correct discipline. I love it. He's reading for me. Yeah. Okay, so... 
Okay, and the, and the second noun definition, a branch of knowledge, typically one studied in higher education, uh, what does that say, sociology, is a fairly new discipline? Yeah. Yes, it does. Now, please tell me why 66% of that definition is all about negativity when 33% of it is about training. <laughs> uh, a branch of knowledge, typically one studied. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we say punishment, right, um, to correct disobedience. Um, Fuck you, Google. But, like... Let's make it positive, dude. Like, yes. yeah, sure, punish me, man. Like, I want you to. If you, if you punishing me and whooping my butt or making me sit in, a, yep. in my room for a day is going to help me to learn the lesson, oh, pick up your feet and take the first step and go for your dreams and whatever, then, like, yeah, you're doing me a favor. And that's what Jordan's talking about in the book. Like, you're doing your kids a favor by teaching them discipline, dude, you know, it's, for, for relationships uh, and, and for things that they want to get better at. And and so I just, uh, I really adore that word. It's um, so, no, no, I'm going to cut you off again. I'm no, sorry. It's so true. I think about discipline in my own life. Before my father passed away, when I was 16 years old, um, I, I ended up going out with some friends and, thought I was eating a hit of acid, but I took 10 hits of acid. Now, this was not a good situation, right? Um, I thought the entire world's war police was after me. I saw airplanes and people that weren't there. And I thought the only person in this entire world that could save me was my father and my friends and, and my, my wife, who was not even my girlfriend back then, but she was my friend, um, was like, Brock, you don't want to go to your fucking dad. Like, this is such a bad decision. And I'm having a ter- like just terrible, terrible trip. I was like, no, fucking take me to my dad. Regardless of what it was, my discipline, what was going to happen on the long result, like I knew that he was going to make things okay. Um, and so they take me to my house, right? And I remember running inside and like hugging my dad and then like running to the ground and like crying. And, and then like my, my dad was having a conversation with my wife, right? Um, and then like she leaves and he comes and sits down on the couch and he puts his hand on my head and he goes, uh, he called me Zoidical and he goes, what's, what's going on Zoidical? And I was like, dad, I'm so sorry. I took some acid and I thought it was one hit, but it was 10 hits and I'm just having the worst time of my life. And, and he goes, he goes, it's, it's, it's okay. It's okay. You're going to be all right. He goes, I'm going to go upstairs. I'm going to get mom out of our room and I'm going to put her in your room. And I was like, dad, no, do not do that. Do not do that. And he goes, bro, it's going to be okay. Right. And so he takes me up or he goes upstairs, gets my mom to go in my room. Right. And so then eventually I end up like with my dad. Right. And we're talking and he's asking me like what I'm seeing. And I'm seeing this like alien battleship Galactica fucking just war going on in our fucking And it's city. real. Oh, like, it's fucking it's real, real bro. bro. It's real. And, um, and they're bad and he's laughing his ass off and then, and just like this crazy shit on TV. And then I would run. I was like, I got to check him mom. I got to check him mom. And I'd run into my room and look at my mom and my sister and they're Faces were melting off their goddamn face and just a pool. And I run back to my mom's dying, mom's dying. He goes, Brock, everything's okay, right? And so we went through this, just laugh and have the time, literally the best time I've ever had with my dad ever, That's right? That's incredible. Was he laid back with oh, that kind of stuff? Oh, oh no, no, hold okay. on. Okay, okay. So then I pass out the next morning, I wake up. The moment I wake up, he's standing over me, screaming so fucking mad. Gives me a couple smacks um, and and grounds my ass. I think it was two months, right? Nice. Um, 
disciplined me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But listen, man, that moment was so pivotal in my goddamn life because if he would have went ape shit when I was going through that, who knows what type of shit would have happened. Less yeah. than a year later, my dad passed away. Mm-hmm. But that moment was one of the strongest connections I ever had with my father because he understood. He understood that getting mad and getting pissed off at his kid, do nothing. Because it sounds like through the whole experience, he approached it with love, right? He did. So he loved you when he was being sweet to you and helping you get through that terrifying thing. And the next morning he loved you and gave you the, and, and gave taught you that lesson. And the discipline I should have yeah. had. Like, yeah. absolutely. Like when our parents or anybody for that matter, it's like a biological thing. But when, when anybody attacks and when they, when they're coming at it from anger, when they're, or when they're attacking or whatever, like you, you feel it and you push away, you dig in your heels, you get defensive. It's to protect yourself. But yeah, I mean, gosh, it was amazing. Now I'm just thinking about everything from childhood and what you would change and what you wouldn't, but you don't want to look at it that way. No, Mike Tyson taught me that man. He just, the the idea of like, you're exactly where you should be. And like, don't worry about, we'll, we'll take the ride. What, you know, what happens tomorrow happens tomorrow. No, no, you do. You have to, man. Like I talk about this story all the time, right? Mm -hmm. Like, um, it sucked when I got disciplined the next fucking day. But it was the first time that I respected my dad, like respected like his decision to do what he was doing. I was like, well, it makes sense. Like I get it. Right. Mm -hmm. And you know what else he did is that my wife was my friend back then. We were really close and we were close to being boyfriend and girlfriend. She was the only one allowed to come over because he respected it, Mm -hmm. respected it. And so he did, he disciplined me. He respected the fact that you were honest and she came and was helping you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And he also felt that, especially my girlfriends, right? Mm -hmm. I'd be, there There was a term for me um, because I get grounded so much because I was such a fuckhead. (laughs) It was called groundation. Instead of vacation, it was called groundation. (laughs) But any girlfriend that I would have, they would be allowed over. That's cool. Because it wasn't, it shouldn't, like, why should it be a... Um, why, why should it be on them? If something I'm doing wrong, right? Like mm-hmm. fuck, fuck my little friends. Right. But mm-hmm. like her, someone that you have a connection with, he saw that and like, yeah, dude, he did some fucking crazy shit and we, we got into it. Right. But, um, he, he taught me a lot about life and discipline and respect. Yeah. That moves me. I love that, man. It's um, important, man. It's- I love that aspect though. Even like that, he let her come over and be yeah. with you. I mean, cause ultimately that's going to, that's going to heal more anyways. Just, you're going to be more receptive to what your parents are teaching you. If, if you're able to, yeah, you continue to be able to share the, uh, and connect and, and with the relationship, you guys all probably hung out at times Yeah, probably strengthen your bond with your, with your family <laughs> and your, you know, wife, you might, I, I imagine there's a chance that you guys wouldn't be married today if he hadn't done that. Cause you probably planted some really cool seeds, especially at a young age like that. Like, <laughs> Um, such a great point. I have a very similar story, but I feel like you had something to say. I want to, I, I did, but okay. it's fine. No, no, it's fine. <laughs> this it's is fine. my story. It's damn my it. story, bitch. Uh, but we're going to get to LA after this. So, let oh me God, LA. Um, <laughs> um, so when I was 14 in eighth grade, I, w- I was a pretty straight edge kid straight edge kid. Like I, you know, I was naughty, but, but, uh, that was, I think that's the best word that describes me mischievous and naughty, but I was never doing like the vandalism. I was never, I never got in a fight. I wasn't, you were like me. You weren't weren't like me as well. Let me, let me say (laughs) you weren't like me. I, I was the kid who, you know, again, control. I couldn't, 
I couldn't raise my hand. I, I couldn't stand when the teacher wouldn't l- give me a chance to have my opinion. So Respect. most of my shit was like just yeah, talking out of turn or like, you know, yeah, just not giving respect if I didn't feel like I was getting it. And, and so I've always had that. But eighth grade went home on a teacher parent conference day. I don't know if you had them. It was like a half day of school. Yep. And so I had never I had never been drunk. Um, or really experienced anything. And my buddy said, all right, we're going to get you drunk. So we were at home at, um, on a half day and there was no parents. And I ended up basically within 15 minutes, I chugged about a half bottle of Johnny Walker black Shut label. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. Cause I also like, I was proving how tough I was. So I filled up like three, what are these tumblers or what are they called? Um, I, I, I don't anyways, even know what to say. I filled dude. up, I filled up three glasses about there and I chugged it, um, of black label scotch. First time drinking. First time being more than a drink, you know, I'd snuck one, you know, here and there. I'm 14. I remember going out in the backyard of my friend's house and just running in circles, being like, oh, okay, I'm alive and like crazy. And then I remember picking up the rest of the bottle, which was probably, it's like a 750 milliliter one. And it was probably about a third full still. And I just went, watch this. And I finished the bottle. That's the last thing I remember. Um, and you know, that night turned into a crazy night. Did you like, hospital? Oh, dude, I was dead. So like, um, my friends, um, you know, we're trying to hide it. And so they put me in the shower in a cold shower. And I, re- I remember part of the story. My friend put his finger down my throat to help me continue throwing up. Cause I was passed out. I was like, limp, like a dead body. And I guess my gag reflex pick kicked in and I bit his finger, <gasps> almost bit his finger Shut off. Shut the fuck yeah. up. But, li- yes. li- I'm, but I'm, I'm literally shoking. like a dead body. Right. Yeah. Um, and oh. then I guess this went on for hours and hours and I puked all over the place and that his mom came home and like, they, kept selling the lie but ultimately i didn't wake up and you know it was getting into the evening and so the kid goes and tells his mom like hey this is what happened brad's upstairs passed out my um and my dad and brother came over my brother at the time was probably about 22 and in the party scene because he was a little bit older and dad went to pick me up and i I guess my eyes were in the back of my head i was barely breathing and i was foaming at the mouth and so he just you know he's comes from the general and he just wanted to take me home and deal with it at home and my brother said no we gotta you know we get he's we need to call 911 so they they called 911 pull me out um again i'm completely non alive at this point you're not alive um and they raced me to a hospital and they actually had to take me to a hospital like a mile closer because i was they were losing me um and woke up later that night i guess but uh after ivs and everything i'd been in the hospital for a while and i woke up in the hospital and i was just like oh shit like yep. i was still hammered i, I know what that's like still hammered but like yeah and i had never really been in the hospital i don't know if i had ever had been in the hospital and it like Oh, I could get to emotional thinking about just like, cause then you connect with the love that you're, you know, you have with your siblings. I remember my older si- sister, Jennifer was like palachi, like just red blotches everywhere. Cause she loves me so much and she was so scared. But like as kids that age, you don't know yeah. always how to tell your siblings that you love them that way or to really like, you know, just have that. And like, I remember her husband who's now her husband was just her boyfriend and I can still see him peeking around the door like because he came to to be there for me and and uh, just that that kind of just the energy and my my mom i was making her lay in the bed with me i'm like i love you so much please lay like lay yeah, with me yeah. just wanting to cuddle and yes. like um 
and it was just really gnarly, man. My, my pupils were not reactive to light. So I guess technically I was basically in a coma. I had a cardiac arrhythmia. My heart had started beating off course. Um, I don't know if it actually stopped beating at a, at a moment after my IVs and after they, I had already, you know, puked everything up. Um, I think my blood alcohol level was like 0.4. So it was still at a lethal level after hours of being there. Catheter, by the way, worst thing ever. I don't know if you've had I'm one, but def- I'll tell you my story uh, after. If but very similar if story. you've seen the green mile and when he's trying to pee and it's like razor blades, that's what oh. it felt like after a catheter. I remember my mom was like, dude, just, just go into the bathtub and like <laughs> fill it up and try to pee that way to like help. And that didn't help. But anyway, so that's a little bit too much information, but no, it's not. Um, so the, the point of this story is, um, ultimately I made it out. Okay. I had a big gash in my face. Cause I had like fallen when I was with the boys still and pulled a big decorative bird cage on my face. They had a screen in porch. I fell out and pushed the screen out and they caught me before I went out. I mean, this was like, you know, second story. Um, Holy shit. Like, like just man. a gnarly day and, and a lot of things that could have killed me. And then just having that much alcohol in my system. So my biggest punishment, um, well, I missed a concert. This was, <sighs> I guess 99, maybe. So um, TRL band, I'm going to give you one guess just for fun and of the concert that I was going to go see. Blink-182? I love it. Blink-182. Actually, the Backstreet Boys. Okay, nice, 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 nice. (laughs) I still love the Backstreet Boys, man. Dude, was it the Backstreet Boys or NSYNC? I saw my Coachella at me. Um, Whatever, it doesn't matter. I saw Backstreet Boys in Mexico two years ago when I went for New Year's, and it was amazing. And they I were still great. I love you, dude. Yeah. How honest is you? <laughs> like, dude, how many dudes are on? Like, as an adult now, it doesn't fucking matter. But like back then, to be honest about it, it's yeah. like it's uh, it's the, there's there's a lot of respect. But continue. So I'm 14 years old, and they they, they, <laughs> they I didn't get to go to Backstreet Boys, which was, which was a bummer. Um, I think they ultimately bought me tickets for a show the next year because they wanted me. That's how cool my parents are, man. I, are you, you serious? Forget, you forget how loving like they are sometimes. Dude, you your remind parents yourself, yeah, are they're awesome. Oh my god, I've got very similar stories. Like yeah. two of them. Yeah. Um, and so the missed this, the concert, but the biggest punishment I had, I think I was grounded for a month or two or something. Um, but was my mom made me write a twenty-page report of uh, first telling my story and then of the effects of alcohol in the body. Yes. And, um, yes. Yeah. I thought that was really cool, man. Um, maybe was, not. She then? wanted to go put it to like her, then she wanted to print out copies and put it in the high school. And I was going the next year I was in eighth grade when this happened. And I was like, please don't do that. Please don't do that. Which actually, I don't know. She maybe should have done. Could have made it cool. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think I would have respected that decision now, but as but, an adult, yeah. but, but what a better way to uh, punishment and then discipline's different, but what a, what a cool way to like, you're going to like go learn about this. Okay. Yes. You can make your decisions as an adult and you can do whatever you want and, 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 but go and actually see what's happening and understand it. And, um, it just, I felt like that helps you. It helped me grow up a little bit and take it in more mature fashion. And really that's the, that was the best way that she was going to prevent me from killing myself doing stupid things in the future. Dude. Dude, so. there was another person on this podcast at the very beginning when I started this. His name's uh, Dre, and um, a very, very well-to-do hair men's hairstylist and women. He does women's, but um, and owns a, a salon. That being said, when he would get in trouble, his parents would make him instead of grounding him, they would make him write an essay what? on the topic. I just almost fucking lost myself because. 
groundation for me did nothing. Mm. It just made me fucking act angry, out more. Yeah. yeah, it just made me angry, sneak out, fuck off, do more drugs, just all that shit. But if I would have had to write on my experience and really reflect and look back at it, um, maybe the years after my father passed away would have been different. Mm -hmm. Um, but you're, you said something that really struck a nerve is, you know, after going through that, the very next year, your parents bought you tickets, right. Mm -hmm. To go to the concert. There was a time where I was 15 and I stole $4,000 from my parents. I would sneak into my grandmother's room who was senile blind. And when she was sleeping, I would get, the fucking um the key very carefully off of her coat and go in and take money and my parents had a thing called a kitty which was just tens if not hundreds of thousands of dollars in cash at that time right but my dad would very like just What's their metic <laughs> be uh, very meticulous about like what they had and so eventually they found out it was right around the holidays they found out that i stole four grand God damn, he beat the shit out of me. He grounded my ass. It was fucking terrible. But Christmas was a few days away. And I'm Jewish. Like, I'm not very religious, but uh, culturally Jewish. And, um, but we were the type of Jews that would have the biggest Christmas lights and the big, like, we just love Christmas. Part because, of community. Exactly. And, yeah. Family, people coming together. We just fucking love it. Right. And, um, and I, I remember, they had told me that I wasn't getting anything. Rightfully so. Motherfucker, I stole four grand from you. Like, you shouldn't give me dog shit. And um, I remember waking up in the middle of the night, went downstairs for a little bit of water, and there were the turntables that I wanted because I wanted to start DJing. You probably felt bad. I felt bad. Yeah. <laughs> I cried. My, I, I just, it, it really made, it, it was probably a huge part of my life that, um, those types of things like I, I, I steer, steer away from. Um, and I just didn't understand. I didn't mm -hmm. understand now all these years later, like I, I get it. Mm -hmm. I get it. I fucked up, but there's something to say, like my parents giving me a gift, like what it does for them, not just me. Like, because I, I'm at this point in my life where I, I love giving gifts more than I love receiving them. I finally got there. Well, yeah. I think I was as a kid, but I, yeah, now I'm, I'm not the baby anymore. And I, I get it. You get it. it. Yeah, you yeah, get yeah, it. Yeah. yeah. There's just something magical about it. And, um, the best. it is, it is, it is. So I, I, I there was something else I was going to share that was very similar to, to your story, but, um, Man, I get it. I yeah, get it. I just, get it. just the idea that, yeah, the um, I had told you that I bought, or they bought me tickets for the show, and they yeah. gave you the turntables, even though you screwed up, and um, that gentleness of love and and that unconditional aspect. Yeah, I, I don't know why it makes makes me feel emotional when you tell that story. Like I could feel that little boy in you, like even as a little boy, yeah. as greedy as we might be, or take things for granted, like you feel that you feel that love from your parents. And it's just like, um, it's, it's a really special thing. I, I, when I was moving out here as a 22 year old, I graduated college a semester early, um, to come out. I had it cause I had a job offer on the table with a big investment banking firm. So nice. I was going to work for Lehman brothers doing high net worth wealth management, a six figure job as a little, as a 22 year old. Um, but I Jesus. wanted, I wanted to have the adventure out here and a chance meeting led me to making that decision. So, um, uh, a buddy of mine was going to come with me, but he kind of got cold feet 
the day we were going to fly out. I had graduated early, December 2007, gave up my senior season of tennis at the University of Georgia, gave up some of these awards that I would have won just having uh, having gone there the, the full time. And, um, and I, because I couldn't commit more than six months, I was like, I'm, I'm going out there for six months. Then I'm going to go to, you know, this wall street job potentially anyway. So my friend bailed on me and, uh, and I just didn't know if I had the strength to come out here alone. I had no plans, you know, no place to stay, nothing. And, and my mom, I think that was like a Tuesday and later that night or that next morning she woke up and she was like, I bought you and dad tickets. You're flying out on Thursday. He's going to go with you. And yes, he's going with Sorry. you for, no, I, I, I yes. love it. I hit the table, man. He's going with you for five days. He's going to get you set up. We don't want you having what ifs. And this comes from a dad, you know, my father Ooh. who was like business, business all about like, you know, just yeah, doing, you know, the white collar, good shit. And, um, and, and having a successful career like that. But, uh, that moved me so much, man. Like that still moves me. It's one of my favorite stories that I get to tell people that, that I didn't, because it starts to give me perspective, man, not, not, and there's a lot of great parents out there, but they're not all that selfless or that loving. I'm sorry. I think there's a lot more shitty ones than I, than I realized. There's, there's a lot more. (laughs) There's a lot more. I just, unfortunately, the crap that I, complained about with my parents or some of the things that I just took for granted makes me sad, but I don't want to let that happen. You know, I just want to remind myself like we're here today and I'm grateful that I have that wisdom and especially cause I do still have them and I can, you know, I can let them know how grateful I am. Um, but, uh, yeah, that was a really special moment, man. And Oh yeah. Like I was saying, like it helps me to realize how lucky I am, um, compared to some people who just didn't have that kind of support system and, Um, so that got me out here to LA and uh, that, that, that was the, the moment, like your parent, your parents did that. That's just, that is fucking mind boggling. Yeah. I mean, and keeping it, yeah. Keeping in mind they I, I had already signed my contract to work with the, one of the top investment banking firms, you know, and, um, your dad's dream was for you to become a professional tennis yeah, player and, and the, to be exactly. able to do that. Like what the fuck? Yeah. That just shows like I, I had to hold myself back from crying. <laughs> I'm not even lying. No, like I, I like straight it. the fuck up I, because yeah, you know, when you hear stories, when I hear stories of good parents, mm-hmm. good parents, it's, it makes the world of a difference, mm-hmm. man. There needs to be more good parents out there. And, and, you know, my wife and I want to have kids and it's like, I take all of these things and all these stories from my life and other people's life. And I hope that I can give them the best life fucking possible. Mm-hmm. Um, but I hear more negative stories than positive stories. Yeah. I might be an old dad when it, when my time comes That's around okay. or whatever, but I'm going to be a good one, man, because you are, um, because I, I we, yeah. And I can feel it with you, but, but you've you've gone through a a really, you know, a real journey and you've put yourself in situations purposefully to have to learn about yourself. And you've put your accidentally fallen into situations. And I'm not saying young parents can't be amazing parents, but I know for me, I'm grateful because things probably would have been expedited and I probably would have become a more of a man in certain ways quicker if I had had that responsibility. But, um, I'm really grateful that I've had time to kind of grow as a human and as much as I have and, and to humble myself and, and find that vulnerability that I think that when the time comes, uh, while I will screw up mega, a lot of times I do think that I'm going to be able to lead, um, lead with kind of love and hopefully, hopefully 
what's the word? Not peace, but just like, I do want to be peaceful though. Like I don't want to let my anger ever dominate that relationship. I don't want to let my frustration or my, my tiredness or whatever, you know, my stress, like affect my, my, my love and relate. Now I'm getting, now I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm just thinking in my head, but like, you know, how do you stay, how do you discipline your kids from a place of love? Dude, it's, it's, um, that, that might be the question. No, here's the thing. People yeah, in their twenties, <laughs> people in their twenties, um, when they have kids, they haven't lived life yet. Mm-hmm. There's such a big difference compared to, you know, you're 29. Shut the fuck up. You're like 49 going on. 30. Yeah, dude, you're still a baby. Bitch, shut the hell up. I thought you were like 37 when I met you. Okay, you're 29. Most people that are in their early to mid 20s when they have kids, um, they haven't truly lived life yet. And there's something to say about couples that have time to spend together, grow together, travel, do things, um, really foster a relationship, and then have kids compared to the ones that are 22 years old having a kid. Mm-hmm. Like, you're still a fucking kid. Mm-hmm. At 23, 24 years old, you're, you're, your frontal cortex of your brain, Rogan talks about this all the time. It's not even fully developed, yeah. right? So you're not even a full human until you're 24, 25 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, I could not imagine having a kid in my 20s. Mm-hmm. I could not imagine. Now, I would have, and I would have figured it out, but I would have been a shit dad. Yeah. Now in my thirties and mid thirties, when I am going to have a kid, I want to be a fucking awesome dad. And I know that you're going to be an awesome dad. You're going to be an okay dad. <laughs> yeah, Daniel, yeah. <laughs> you, dude, you should have waited one more year, bro. I know, Get bro. Come on. What the fuck dog? I married somebody who's older. So uh, it doesn't matter. You're still not 30. You didn't make the, the cut. Whatever you old soul. No, but there, there, there is something to say about that, man. I uh, think uh, the uh, one uh, discipline from a place of love was one that I just thought of. And I like that, write that and send it to me when I have kids. Yeah. Um, and then the other one is, um, um, Oh my gosh. You already forgot. No, stop it. We're, we're pausing the pod, <laughs> this podcast. I'm going to remember There's no it. fucking pauses. Uh, we're disciplining from a place of love and, 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 uh, parents. Oh, oh, just the leading by example, man. Like, yeah. um, I really want to be a father who, instead of, you know, do as I say, not as I do, I really want to be a do as I do, do as I do. And it'll make my life better anyways. It's going to keep me young. But like, I, I think that's the best way I can't, you can't go tell somebody got to practice and do that. And then, you know, but not be living up to it. So if I want my kid to play guitar, which hell yeah, I do, then we're just going to go play together. You know, we're going to have it. And, and, and maybe I'll fall out of that, but I do feel like the career that I've picked and right now having being on a show, which we haven't even gotten to, which we're is hilarious. I know you might have to edit this and cut it down. Cause I know we're getting long already, but no, um, we're not. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, I think I might be in a, in a situation where I have enough time of more free time to actually kind of be a friend and, and be almost like a stay at home dad. And, and I want to take advantage of that, man. I don't want to, I don't want to be I don't want to be the guy that I am today with my kids, which is I too often let myself off the hook. Like, um, and I think, you know, I, I can see why they're, there's even in actors. Um, a lot of times you hear people where they finally kind of break through once they have a kid, but it just teaches you a whole new level of responsibility. It, it takes the self 
selfishness away from it a little bit. Um, and it just kind of gives you the grounding that you need. It's almost like that box I said, that helps you be more creative. But when you have your pillars, you know, you got your, your family and your, your child, like it, it helps you to pick up those two feet and go. Cause it's easier to, it's sometimes it's easier to do the tough things for somebody else than it is for yourself. Dude, it's so true. You it know? is so fucking true. And when you said, uh, that quote, don't do as I say, or what is it? Uh, well, I think I said, don't do as I or there's a lot of people who it's do as I say, not as I do, but there I want you know, I want, yeah. My ahead. dad said that all the fucking time. That's and my, I, I thought it was frustrating. Bullshit. Yeah. No, no, you're going to say it. it's bullshit. It's bullshit. It's fucking bullshit. Mm-hmm. No, you have to lead by example. doesn't matter if it's your kid, an employee, a friend, a significant other. It doesn't matter who it is in your life. You have to lead by example. So if you believe in something, do it because the people around you for one reason or another are going to follow or attach to that. And then when you talk about a kid, if you don't lead by example, what are they going to know? Because for me, for the longest time, I was a pathological liar. I bullshitted about everything. And now as an adult, I have this mentality where it's like, I have to do everything different than my mom and my dad did. I love them. They taught me a lot of amazing things, but there's still some things I'm like, that's not what it is to be a yeah. real and awesome human being. It's a crazy spot when you get there. It's almost uncomfortable because it's like, I love my parents so much yeah. and, and I, I love the things I want to take, but I almost feel bad about the things that yeah. I don't want to take. Nah, but that's, get it. that's your own journey. Keep going. It so. is. It is. And I used to feel bad about it, but I said when I would do this podcast that I would be so fucking brutally honest about everything. Mm. And it's made me a better person. That's awesome. And in therapy, the same exact thing. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's changed my life. And, and just because I love and care for my parents and I took a lot from my dad and, um, mostly my dad, unfortunately I love my mom, but things are different. Um, it's okay to say this. It's okay to say it out loud. Do you feel like you're more, um, that honesty is carried into your, your, your marriage. Um, yes. for instance, like, yes. yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. I, I don't even know my wife's still with Gosh, me. You do must, it must be really great then now that I'm thinking about the podcast for yeah. how long you've been doing it? A uh, year, six months, yeah, but eight just months. Having, I don't, yeah, but that those were different, but yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I guess so. Just yeah. like the, the, what, the, what that, probably carried into your life and you, 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 all of a sudden you're like oh my god i didn't even know what i had locked up i didn't even you know know how i was faking myself out in life so yeah. it's a it's a really cool thing I, it's so true I'm i would jealous like no don't don't be um <laughs> don't don't like not not at all because i could say the same thing about you like look what you've just fucking done the past few months right yeah. like and we're about to get to that yeah. shit right but it's like <laughs> everyone's journey is different, right? Mm-hmm. And it's taken me a lot of time to get to this point. It's taken me a lot of time for my wife to trust me. Mm-hmm. Like when I say something, she believes it now. Mm-hmm. If you would have asked her two, three years ago, not a fucking chance. The only thing is if I say I'm going to be home in 10 minutes, I'll be home in 30, you know, um, it's just, or maybe an hour. Yeah, like, it's just one of those things. Dude. It, it, it is. And that's something I need to get better on, but um, I'm sure she loves you for it. She, she does. Gives, she gives her more time to, 
watch her telenovela. Yeah, <laughs> no, I don't let her watch these. Um, no, not not control. Not, no, no, she can. I don't even like watching them. No, um, the, but uh, that's just because I don't like to see myself talk. Um, that 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 being said, I want to bring it back to your story, right? Mm-hmm. Your parents fucking get you out to California, right? Which they is did. just yeah. insane, yeah. right? What was the next step? You're 22 years old. Like, yeah. did you, you're, you're working? How the hell did acting come no, into play? No. So, no, 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 no. Sort of, sort of not. So I, I was coming out here for it. Um, I ultimately, just a quick piece of that puzzle. My dad had a, a student and her sister was coming to visit from LA and there had always kind of been like these little jokes, uh, you know, dreamer type things about getting into the acting world. But growing up in Georgia, it's just not, it's, it's not even real, you know, it's, it's fantasy. Um, this LA woman who was in, in the business came and somehow my dad set up coffee for me just to be able to pick her brain. And it turns out, you know, she had been in like a soap opera and had a little bit of this and a little that. And already I'm like, oh, my God, you've been on a TV show. (laughs) You know, it's just like I'm so jaded now from being out here. But um, she actually had a company called Extra Extra Casting and they cast background folks in commercials. But I didn't know anything from anything. So we had this long conversation. She's like, yeah, if you come out, I could help you get some work and this and that. So I moved out here gave up my final semester of college. Everything came out here thinking that I had an agent. I'm like, yeah, I got an agent. I'm going to go for it. And I had somebody to cast me as an extra, but that was the biggest <laughs> blessing. And I probably did a thousand days of extra work. Honestly, it was yes. almost all commercials, but, but it, I learned everything, man. I learned, you know, where to stand, how to carry myself, what, you know, what a cinematographer is like things that are so simple is where I learn. And, and then it helped me to make the money. So back extra work, uh, union extra work on commercials pays ridiculous for what it is. So so like I was, you know, I would make anywhere from 350 bucks to 2000 bucks in one day. Holy shit. Doing extra work. I would, I, my first upgrade where I, they actually used me for a shot. It was in a Fiat commercial with Charlie Sheen. And I just said, come on, Charlie. And was on screen for a split second. And, uh, that, I'm going to say it. I've screw it, man. With the residuals and stuff, I think I ended up earning like $23,000 off of that. That's amazing, man. Um, That's amazing. So there was, you know, so that chance meeting with, with this, this lady, her name's Chris Greenberg. Now Chris Hutchinson, the owner of that company. Um, I was just so grateful because she gave me an opportunity. I got my SAG card within a couple months of moving out here. And then are you serious? I think I was like here for like three months and that's another one. Just do it. Right. So I, yes. I got a call, um, from somebody, I don't remember even how the contact happened. And they were like, Hey man, I think I can get you a voucher. So in, in, in the acting world, you either do like a speaking role and, um, on a SAG project and then you're, you're, you can join the union once you pay your dues and all that, or you get three vouchers where you're like up, um, upgraded as an extra or something, you know? So I was going to get one voucher to go play a high school football kid in this movie. It was called fired up. Um, and I showed up, so I was supposed to be teaching tennis camps. I had just started this new job as a tennis coach. And on day one, I was like, uh, sorry, dude, I, I can't make it. I got this opportunity. Like I was fully committed to, to doing whatever I had to do to get into the acting world. But yeah, three months in, if that showed up and, oh, and then the night before they called back and they were like, there you go. They said, sorry. Um, no <laughs> the new way. That's you. That's oh, not me, but the blondie, the blondie, I'll tell you. So I, I showed up. Um, Click on that shit. Click on it. Let's see. Sorry. It, sorry. it looks yes. like me. 
fucking love you, dude. I do. I do He's too. It's getting so good. I, uh, I, sh- I, they called me the night before and they said, sorry, we found a SAG person to take your spot. So it saves them money. So I ended up not getting the job, but they were like, you can come do non-union extra work or whatever. So I just said, screw it. And I showed up. I wasn't even on a voucher. I was sitting with all the non-union extras. There's hundreds of people there. And they're like, all right, every all the extras come to set. So I just got up. This is day one within 30 minutes of being there. Wasn't being paid. Wasn't supposed to be there. But I heard about an opportunity. And the second AD uh, says to me, how tall are you? Uh, I thought I was getting in trouble. I'm 6'1". What are you doing for the next four weeks? Uh, I don't know. We need a stand-in for the lead actor. You want to do it? Uh, sure. Didn't know what a stand-in was. So I immediately, they take me to the middle of set. I'm sitting on a mark and the camera's looking directly at me in, in, in this professional, you know, Hollywood movie. And yeah, so out of nowhere I do that. And then each day was a voucher. So I was going to do that for the rest of the movie. Cause the other guy, their, their other stand-in didn't show up. After day three, on day four, I slept through my alarm and I got fired and I lost the job. Shut the fuck <laughs> yeah. up. Yeah. But I got my vouchers and that got me into the union. So that's how I got into the union. But I showed up, dude. I love that story too, because I wasn't supposed to be there and you just, good things happen, man, when you yes. show initiative and, um, and dude. Yeah. So it was really cool and really exciting things. Um, so got my SAG card. Then I started getting extra work with this company, extra, extra, and got some upgrades after it took me like three or four years. And then I got an upgrade and you know, that Charlie Sheen job. And so like the, it actually turned into a pretty good gig, man, where like I was making $75,000 in a year doing extra work. And I was working, you know, I would maybe get lucky and work two days a week. Um, and, and I got my SAG insurance and I got a pension credit and all this, and then Holy still shit. could go and audition. So like that chance meeting at the coffee shop allowed me to come or got me to LA. The job doing extra work allowed me to not have to do, um, a, a normal, you know, waiter job or something with a schedule. So I was open to, to auditions and then I learned everything on set and then I made friends and I made a community and that led to the next thing. And so it's just, it's just really powerful, man, when you just show up. And so the guy, he had brought up the fired up thing, the, the blonde guy in that picture, his name's Eric Christian Olson. He's on NCIS LA now. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's who I stood in for, um, for how long for three days and got three my, days. My, my three vouchers got into SAG and then I lost the job. That's not the only job I lost sleeping in. <laughs> um, laugh. Yeah, dude. How did you feel when that happened? When I got fired? Yeah. Oh, it was absolutely mortifying. I thought, I thought I was completely done in the business. I, I like in my head, that was my shot. I had, yeah. you know, I was getting it in and I drove out. I think it was like the, where's the race, their horse race course, like Santa Anita or Santa Anita. Um, and so I like drove out there still and I was like, please, please. And they're like, the guy's like, sorry, I already hired somebody else. Like you're done. You know? No yeah. way. So like, yeah. yeah. Well. So like the, the same thing that happened to me happened to some other kid. And, um, and anyway, so that was it. And, and that was like eating some crow for a little bit. Cause I just, I wasn't making any money. I think I made $11,000 my first year in LA, um, Holy just kind of doing odd jobs and stuff. But, um, and you weren't working the other job. We're not going to plug a movie. All right, all right. <laughs> Screw you. Uh, I don't give a fuck. No, no, I don't give a fuck. I, I, I appreciate it. Um, like the, the whole experience. <laughs> you is, should leave that. Yeah, in too. is uh is is really great, and it, it probably is 
It's who you are. For the exactly. So I'm no. It is. Mike Tyson says, "Man, I'm just I'm I'm where I'm supposed to be." So I don't have any regrets about that. Absolutely, one hundred and ten percent. So after that experience, right? um, When your parents set all of this up for you to come out here, did they think that you were going to work the finance? You know that type of job? No. well, only if I if I went to Wall Street and did the you know if I took that job, so I had the six months. But uh, yeah, I was gonna start trying to teach tennis just as a side, but like uh, it just wasn't working for me, man. Like I, yeah. I took one one lesson out. They had hired me at Sherwood Country Club in Wood um, Thousand Oaks, Thousand Oaks. Um, anyways, so not here driving from enough. Hollywood to there um, was just like uh, already one one trip, and I, I couldn't do it, and then. And then the summer camp started that I was going to do and then fired up happened. So I ended up, I ended up never really having a side gig. Um, and another part of the story when I showed up, so I had created a good relationship with my, my, um, athletic director at, at Georgia, at the university of Georgia, because a big part of it, it was just cause you know, I had good grades and that, that makes schools look good. Right. So we had developed a friendship and I told him that I was going to come out here and do this. And, he, uh, he was like, all right, like uh, you should hit this guy up. So he gave me a name and right when I landed in 2008, um, landed in Los Angeles, no place to stay, no car, nothing here with my dad, one suitcase. I made this call. Hey, you know, Damon told me to give you a call. Like, and he says, well, you know, what's your story? Uh, or he says, what, any friend of Damon's is a friend of mine. Tell me a little bit about yourself. And I told him just kind of the very quick, brief thing. And this guy, his name was Jeff Markley. He had played baseball at University of Georgia, but I think he was in his 40s at the time, by the, that time. And he had been a major hustler and got in big into commercial real estate. So he's like, all right, well, here's the deal. And I'm not even to my hotel yet. The first day I land in LA, he's like, I got a, um, a house in the Hollywood Hills. It's next door to Christina Aguilera and, and Leonardo DiCaprio. I'm going to be tearing it down to build my dream home. Until then, you can stay for free. Shut the fuck up. I had a straight up 180, one, maybe they're the best view I've ever seen in LA from downtown to the ocean. <sighs> Right above me, I could see DiCaprio come out and like smoke cigarettes with hot models on his porch after like a Saturday night. Right below me, where Christina Aguilera was when I moved in, she moved out basically right when I moved in, and Joe Francis moved in, who was the owner of Girls Gone Wild. So I had Girls Gone Wild house right below me, Leo above me. There was like Keanu Reeves was right there. So it was just crazy, and I lived for free for about a year and a half had a pool. The pool guy still came. Like if I had been single and, you know, had a yeah. little bit of money, like it would have been a really cool year and a half. Uh, but I still was dating my girlfriend from back in college and, uh, you know, I'm a faithful guy. And, um, anyways, it just, so I didn't make the most of that house, yeah, but yeah, it, yeah. it was another thing that just showing up and creating good relationships, it turned into a positive thing and it allowed me to, to do what I did. Um, and yeah, and I, I think it was my first like speaking role. Um, I did, I did a small like Christian movie actually called letters to God. And I, I played a, like a British uh, soccer coach and I didn't, yes. And I'm like, didn't, I didn't have an accent. Um, I didn't, had never learned a British accent, but they wanted it for some reason. So I did, you know, uh, Tyler, you got to get out of the game. And after the the premiere, I went to the, (laughs) I went to the premiere and I'm supposed to be British. Right. And somebody was like, dude, I really thought you were Australian. No. <laughs> uh, there you go. There yes, letters yeah. to God. He's got it. Um, letters to God. Holy so, shit! Yeah, Who's I, that bald girl? Um, that's a boy. Um, actually, <laughs> actually, <laughs> I don't, I'm sorry. Actually, um, 
his name, what was his name? Um, Tanner. Tanner is now Tanner, Tanner is now Taylor, and he is he. Tanner's a girl now. Oh. Um, he he. I guess he transitioned, or I don't know if I don't know what, but I've seen on social media that Tanner is now Taylor, and he's living uh, as a as a girl. So that's just interesting. Is he still? Um, is she still acting? I don't think so. Um, I didn't. His her resume looks short, but I don't think there's much there. Um, yeah, yeah. So that was what two thousand eight. So the, he's probably like mid twenties now. So that was your first like. I think that was my first acting role. Yeah. And I, and it was from knowing a friend. It was my, my dad's, uh, old time friend who was a sports agent and got into, he was the executive producer of this, helped me get the audition. And so I had to do a tape and then send a second tape with the accent and it ended up going through and I was nervous as all can be, man. I can remember my parents came and met me down in Orlando to shoot it, um, and hung out. And I, you know, I had one day of work, I'm on screen for two minutes, but it was just like, it's so funny, the perspective now, like what I just did on the show and the, the amount of screen time I have and the amount of work I've done. And, and back then, like just even saying a word, oh my God, and I'm on, on screen. So it was, it was a really great experience. That's nuts, man. Yeah. And I think maybe, so that was 2008 and I, I don't know, I can't remember everything I did, but my first speaking role on TV was on 90210. The new shut one. Up, yeah, shut yeah, up. Shut yeah, up. Pull yeah, up his yeah. eye. That's yeah, crazy. Pull it up. So um, I loved that. There, that's another like kind of there's evidence in the cosmos and all of all the connection, right? Because shit. growing up, my my older siblings loved Beverly Hills 90210, mm. man. And I was a little bit young. My parents are pretty, you know, tight. So like a lot of times I wouldn't get to watch it, but I loved it. That's one of those nostalgic things. And yes. just I loved it. So when I moved here and they re- rebooted the series, one of the shows I wanted to be on the most as a 22 year old kid was 90210. No way. And, and and putting it out there, that ended up being the, the you, first you thing. Handsome I, fuck. The first thing I booked. Thank you, sir. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no way. It was the first thing. What the first did TV you, show? The first your, legit TV. What show, did yeah. the family say? Because 90210 was so iconic when we were younger. Yeah. That had, they just had to go fucking crazy. I I don't even I don't even remember, man. I'm sure it it was it was definitely really exciting um so yeah I, I don't i mean i don't exactly know where i was going with that but like um so dad i lived in that house for free um i would stay home f- on on friday nights i remember when i had first moved here and i didn't really know anybody dude seriously my friday night activity would be cutting resumes because the paper was always bigger than your headshot okay and i would so i would cut resumes to the size i would staple them on a headshot and i literally sprayed them with cologne i like looked up all the hacks that i could find i would spray it with cologne and then put them in a envelope to send to casting directors like so smart yeah dude but it's if i had the fire that in my belly that i had then like not all the same moves would be like work as well. You know, yeah. it would be a little weird, but uh, if I could treat my career like I did when I was a 22 year old, 22 year old with just the energy and the, the chutzpah, uh, the chutzpah. I think I, I could, that. I think I could really take it to an even bigger level, but it's so easy when you get comfortable to just chill. That's why we have the, you know, that's why we have the ups and downs, man. Some of my favorite people in the world, um, Rafael Nadal is a professional tennis player, but one of the things I love so much about him is he's been at the top for so long, 
but then that made him work harder rather than what I'll do often is get to the top of my game or have a big breakthrough. And then I'm like, ah, now I can chill. And I get all the way down here. And it's not until I hit rock bottom again that I'm like, oh, I fucking have to do it. And so then all of a sudden rock bottom is surrounded by these big achievements. And maybe you're, you play this game in your head and you think that you're doing something positive, but it's really just because rock bottom forced you to get on your pony again. So what if I stayed on my pony the whole time, dude? You have what, to. If I, what if I did? You I have to. I couldn't even. And imagine. you will. You will. And I'm taking a piss again. Okay. I can't find another two one zero, but I find you on. You want another drink? Uh, this is good. This is good. Were you on Glee, Brad? I was. I was. I was on Glee. I think I got that clip. All right. All right. This All right. is. Let's see. Is this? Is this you? This is Glee. Yeah. This frat, is you. Frat president Matt oh, Cromley. Holy shit. That's you. With the backwards cap. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That guy. Everybody. Well, those two are dead. In real life? Both yeah. of them. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and the guy I was with there, his name is Casey Diedrich. He is a lead on a show, so we both were little co-stars there, or guest stars. We made it. Yeah, it was crazy. Corey Monteith um, and I were talking oh. on, on set about like addiction because we both had people in our lives. His brother was going through an addiction, you know, trying to get clean, I think, off heroin or whatever, and... Um, and I had somebody in my life in this similar situation. And, um, so it was crazy cause we were like, yeah, man, it sucks so bad. Like, I just like wish you could get clean. And, uh, it was, I think within a month is when he OD'd and died after we did this. And that was actually supposed to be my first show that, um, recurred. So we did this episode. I played the frat president, whatever. I had a couple scenes in that one and, and it was going to be my first time to have multiple episodes of a show. And I don't know if it would happen or not, if, you know, if they actually wrote it. But, but yeah, three three weeks later or a month later or something is when I saw, you know, the news that he had passed. And it was crazy because I was actually working at a CrossFit gym at the time and as a coach. And he had joined up there. So it seemed like he was doing a lot of things. And I, I, I uh, believe it was one of those stories you hear a lot of times. It's like the last hurrah type thing. Or maybe you had been clean for a while and then you try to yeah. think you can go and take the same amount of drugs that you were before and all of a sudden it hits you. But it was a shame, man, because, you know, I could feel him uh, enough to kind of think like, I don't know exactly who he is or what he's about, but I could feel the good in him. You know, yeah. I could feel the desire to, to get, get himself together. So that was hard. And then the other guy, um, I can't remember his name right now off the top of my head, but I think he took his life a couple of years ago as well. So both those Dude. guys, man. Dude, it's crazy. dude, that's, uh, yeah. that is some heavy shit. Right. And, and <laughs> yeah. what you said just a little bit ago is, um, you know, living in Los Angeles, it's a different breed. It's, yeah. a, it's just like a, it's like a different thing. I live up in Santa Clarita, so it's, it's different. It's definitely different. That's and the people way different it, than Hollywood. Yeah. For people who don't know it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you know, I'm sure just like the circles and the things and the things that you do and the people that you hang out with, it's just, um, it's different. That's why there's a huge mass of people leaving, you know, uh, LA and it's going down, baby. Yeah. I'm literally trying to get a new spot. Yeah. Yes, people it, are taking a, it, taking a hike. It's, it's crazy, man. It's, um, yeah, I, I never saw this happening, but, um, uh, to kind of bring it back to Corey, man, you know, addiction is a beast. Mm. It's it's a beast. And whatever happened to him, it's a really sad situation mm -hmm. uh, because he had a bright career ahead of him, you know, um, and, and the other gentleman who passed away, who took his life. Um, it's, uh, you know, I, I shouldn't, you know, 
an hour ago or whatever the fuck it was, you know, about my own situation. Mm -hmm. Right. And mm -hmm. I just wish more people were open about it and, and would talk about just it. Just mental health in general. Of course, a hundred percent mental health, um, addiction, all, all of these things there, uh, it, things are slowly turning, but it's still, uh, and especially for a long time, it's been looked down upon a hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, it, it we won't go down this rabbit hole too much, but it, it's it's funny how often you hear hear these stories or on other podcasts and stuff with the mental health thing, the yeah. um, being in touch with your emotions and all that. It, it's just wild, kind of this place we are in in the world where I think it's be especially in the Western world, it's becoming a little bit more um, less taboo rather, and yeah. and people are accepting that. But spirit, mind, and body, bro, like how could we have missed out for so long the importance of mental health? And like, how could we have thought for so long that a man is strong by pushing down everything he feels and masking it and hiding it and not, you know, talking about it and dealing with it. So it's a really cool like revolution in that point. Like it is. I'm anti what social media has done as far as like creating more division for sure. Yes. And I agree. And, and, and allowing kids to, Especially, they didn't know, man. Can you imagine kids who didn't know the '90s, bro? Like, no, no. The, I didn't. Who knew that we were living? We were growing up in our adolescence, in teenage years, and literally like the last great decade, in my opinion. No, it is. Then, the, then the, the the smartphone comes along, and it's really cool. Two thousand seven. But, but we were connect more connected with the world. We I, I we were. Exactly. And I, and, but it's, yeah. it's okay. So like, I'm not the type of person that puts down like the generation Z. Like I, I, I honestly don't, but we are the last generation to have been without the smartphone and with the smartphone. Right. Yeah. So we, our generation, when we were younger, you go in when the fucking streetlights come on, you get to go on when the fucking sunrise comes out. Right. Keep telling that story. Um, it's, 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 it's it's just a different time. It is the, I don't want to say it's the last great generation because it's not, but it's the last generation that has been able to live both sides of the spectrum and, and maybe the only generation to have lived that. Oh, and so in my opinion, yeah. the best generation because you get perspective on both sides. Yeah. That's, that's a cool way of looking at it. Um, I definitely feel like it was a golden era and I didn't realize it, you know, mm -hmm. even for things like music, like it's funny how in, in, like you said, your parents uh, said it was a, the same kind of things, but I didn't appreciate the music that we had in the nineties that much. And even like some of the pop music that we were making yeah. fun of, you look back and you're like, man, Dude, this is pretty awesome. Yeah. Like, there's there, the nineties were cool, man. And films, I think that would be, that will end up my favorite decade for film i know the 70s and 60s even and and um it's there's nostalgia some, there's some there's some great uh decades for film out there but for me the 90s were cool because it was right before major cgi happened and it and and it was just i watched double jeopardy the other night nice. um which was okay <laughs> it, you know it wasn't great but it was okay but like these movies had a different feel that you just felt yeah like film versus digital there there was something about movies before all the cgi and special effects came in that was it, but the cgi is getting so fucking good no it's no terrible. what are you talking about did you so watch bad. lion king 
Yeah, I loved the first one, and that, the second one was such a disappointment. Well, the, I think there was a second one, and then the most recent one. That's what I'm talking about. The most yeah. recent one. Yeah, the graphics were great. Dude, the like, graphics are insane. Yeah, maybe They're maybe insane. if I had seen that movie without seeing the 90s Lion King would have been different. They're but like, different. They changed the music and the character, so like I, I, I had some struggles with certain things, but yes, the, but they should, it the, shouldn't be the exact the, same. The, gra- the graphics were, it's the first time where the graphics were like incredible. Oh, dude, yeah. this looks like legit as yeah. fuck. Like, I think for video games, if I was a gamer, I would appreciate that. That's pretty cool. I haven't gotten into that, but I yeah. actually really have goals of getting into motion capture at some point um, and getting to do that kind of acting. Cause yeah, just think it would be cool. And apparently video games nowadays are basically like really long, badass movies. And then you yeah. play in between, yeah, I um, I played um, Call of Duty. I don't play a lot of video games, but I played in 2018. I think it's like the latest Call of Duty that's come out. Um, no, actually, probably it's not, but it's like World War II, right? And it's uh, the first scene is like based on fucking D-Day, like Storm in Normandy. Like just, I, it was on the big screen out in, in, in my fucking living room. And I was just so blown away. I was like, this is fucking real. Like I just could not get across like, is this a movie or is this yeah, a video game? Gosh. It just doesn't fucking make sense to me. Wild, um, and with VR, especially taking off, like I'm a huge proponent for like VR, VR, uh, like uh, the quest by Oculus. Um, there's just things that we're going to be involving ourselves in. I don't know if you've seen the movie ready player one. No, but my buddy, All right, get my, out best, fucking my, room, my best friend loved the book and was so excited and, and he was disappointed. So I never ended up seeing it. Yeah. Um, well, you, but, you dude, know. Steven Spielberg fucking made it and, Spielberg. and he just, he, he killed it. Like, you know, anytime that you try to measure a book by a movie, it's just, they're different, right? right? They I have, probably enjoy it more because I never read the book. The only reason why you're disappointed by the book is because the eighties references that are all copyrighted, you uh, yeah, it's true. That's true. As a standalone, is it's so fucking good. All right. It's so good. Uh, okay. I had this chant while well, like because I, I I was the first movie I ever saw three times in the movie theater. The wow. first movie I ever saw three times. I think Romeo and Juliet I saw twice in Titanic. I saw <laughs> huge Leonardo DiCaprio God, fan. God, Titanic was incredible. Man. Just incredible. Um, but I was like, ready, player one. Woo! Ready, player one. Woo! And everyone in the fucking house, uh, just like would. would go ape shit because they just knew I was fucking in love with the movie because it's um it's what the future is going to be like it's this dystopian future where we are so emerged with technology that um we'd rather be in this than in reality yeah. and unfortunately that's going to be the case it is it is it, in some way shape or form i remember the first time i put vr goggles on yeah. um and i've only done it really that one time and, and i have videos because i was literally like you know you're in yeah. that world but i said to my buddy i'm like dude this is going to be crazy yeah. like this is going to very quickly turn people they're going to plug into the matrix and i can see because you put the headphones on you get these goggles yeah. and you literally feel in the world when you're going on a roller coaster and, and with vr goggles on you feel the g's yeah. pushing against you you do you're it's insane and i'm yeah. surprised surprised it actually hasn't been become bigger already than than it is or maybe there's people out there who are living in that world but it's going to freaking mess some people up it man, is. because they you 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 can lose 
your reality and whatever, but um, I, I'll, I'll, I'll go check the movie out. You know, it's I like really, your passion. Yeah, yeah I, I'm a huge uh, proponent <laughs> for it. Um, and VR is just going to get better and better. Facebook yeah. owns Oculus, yeah. which is like the number one company out there, which is, eh, if you could say what you want about Facebook, right? <laughs> but, um, uh, but God damn, it's the first one that you don't need to be connected to a computer. Mm. Because before, if you wanted like quality VR graphics, you'd have to be connected to a computer, which would run off the graphics of the computer. Mm. This one, I mean, I literally have it right in fucking there. Dude, we could put it on. And it's just it's just mind-blowing because it's like the Atari. Mm. And then you see PS5 coming out this holiday season. And you're just like... Are you fucking kidding me? If it's at the same trajectory that 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 happened 20, 30 years ago, that's all we're going to be in. We're going to yeah. be fully immersed and I, we can go down that rabbit hole, but no. I want to bring it back to your story. Yeah, we can't even no, start no. there. So. I want to bring it back to your story because I can go down this deep. All right. So um, we talked about, you know, Glee. We talked about all of those things, right? But what was the next step? What was like the first big thing, right? Yeah. Um, Okay, I got really lucky. Every time like I finished a project, um, this is like a side note, but it's really important for the just do it part of the conversation that I we've talked that. about, man. Like every time I've seen something fully through, a really great thing has happened, and it's without fail, and it's really wild. Um, and because I think there's so many amazing ideas, so many better creative brains, potentially better creative brains out in LA than me, but there's just very few finishers. There's very few people who start something and see it through. And even like a project, I um, well, okay. So I did a web series with my buddy, Jeremy. Um, we wrote it, created it together. I paid for it. I got to be a lead actor. It was my first thing I got to be the lead in, but it took us three or four years from starting to getting it done. We wanted Jeez. to quit so bad, but it got to a point where I was like, no, dude, the whole point of this is not how good it is. It, all that matters is that we finish it. And within, fucking love it. within a couple of weeks of actually finishing principal photography, he booked a lead in a movie. And then a couple of weeks later I booked a commercial and the commercial was for one day. And I was a bartender. It was for Applebee's and essentially it was extra work. Once I got there, you're just kind of in the background, but you're getting paid as a principal, which means you're up for residuals and you get paid more money. That, that job for whatever reason turned into, they called me back five times and I did 19 or 20 different spots, 20 different commercials. And so oh my God. that was the first year that I made a six figure income um, just off you. of like a few days of work. Um, but I believe that that came from in one way or another, finishing a three, four year tough as shit project and you know that I don't even know if a hundred people have damn seen, but, and I put so much of my life into and I still would like to share it. Uh, the Hollywood box. That's the name of it. Uh, you got to go check it out. Um, Pull that shit up. Dude, the Hollywood should, box. You should actually play the uh, the trailer because I'm can proud we, of it. Can we do it? Yeah. Because the other shit we saw earlier with Glee, we're not going to be able to post no, it. You can, you can post I this. Think, I have I all the rights. Um, well, no, it's not about that. It's about uh, oh, the copyright. All right. So I was coaching CrossFit at the time and um, trying to get into the acting world. So we created this uh, this web series that we've now cut into a full feature film that I don't know what we'll do with, but it's on. I, I love it. Yeah. We're, we're going to, we got to hook this all the way up like perfectly. So um, no wireless. Um, should we watch? Are we going yeah, 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 to yeah, right. watch it? Uh, all right. Screw watch it. Watch that gray bar at the bottom. As soon yeah. as that loads for 
Okay. Okay. So, so tell us real quick about what right, the Hollywood so, box was so, about. Well, okay. That was just a, a web series. We did 10 episodes, about 10 minutes long. I think it ended up being about an hour and a half. So we shot a feature length worth of material in nine days. We shot it like a feature film. Um, I fully funded the thing. I'm about to pay my dad back like next week, finally for, cause he helped me out even for that. He gave me cash that wow. I, I needed to get it done. And it's five years later and I'm finally going to pay him back for that, which is crazy. Um, and then I think, so that led to the commercial, which was my first time really making good money in the, in the industry. And then the next year, Oh, I booked a, I booked a series. So I was doing the CrossFit and I had the tennis thing, right? So, uh, out of like randomly, I don't know how she found me. I got a call from a lady, a producer, and I got, ended up booking a job hosting a show. It was called fit to hit on the tennis channel, but I was basically showing, um, how you can, a weekend warrior can do fitness for tennis in like different ways. So I went with the LA galaxy and did a little, how soccer can help your tennis and Adele tennis. And I did a, a Roomba class and all these different things. Right. And I feel like that was one of the most important jobs I ever booked. It didn't pay me very well. Like I, I was very, you know, very, I've made in all a whole season of shooting that show, I made less than half of what I make on one episode of my show now. Yeah. But, um, but it was important because it was my first time getting to be the man uh, other yeah. than my web series. So I shot the web series. I got to be the man. And then this show was the first professional job where it, it was about me. You know, I had to carry, carry the load and that just changes you. You know, it just makes you, um, you proves to yourself that you can do it. You get a little moxie, you start, you know, standing up a little taller, going back to Jordan Peterson. The first rule of life is stand tall with your shoulders back, man. Like the lobsters do. And it changes everything. Like, you know, bro, I cannot tell you for like a year, like I was going through my shit and I was kind of like in this point where I'd like walk through a crowd. Like I'd always be the person like walking tall, looking out, but just going through a lot of stuff. Right. And I was looking down. Right. And when I heard that everything stopped. It That's fucking amazing. stopped. So you I fucking you read that book? Or? Yes. A hundred percent. And I fucking stood tall and I fucking looked. And when I walk in a fucking room, like I did for fucking my entire life, except that one year. Right. I just, it just changed my life, man. Absolutely. My life. I mean, it, it changes the way life. people perceive you, but it's like smiling. They say, Oh, just smile. And you'll, yeah. you'll end up being happy. And you, you, you walk tall with your shoulders back and it gives you a sense of, yeah. of pride and, 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 confidence and stuff. So, um, so I did the tennis show and then 2016, I, well, bro, we, you got to figure this out, man. Yeah. Come on, get it together. Jesus producer. Christ, like, man. Is there, why do we have, <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's at least just see a fucking yeah, few I mean, seconds this of is it made with my, my money from my, no my, my kitty jar. Right. Or uh, piggy. (laughs) (laughs) Holy shit, look at you, you got a beard. So that was a huge, like, turning point and just getting it done. My dad, again, having cool parents, he, I called him, like, a couple days before. I was like, I need you. He flew out here and spent two weeks just being my personal assistant, and and he was on set the entire time. If I needed him, hey, I need paper towels. He went and did it, and um, I I forget about these things, and it makes me want to call him right now and just tell him how grateful I am. So he was here for that. Dude. Um, so 2015 did fit to hit as the host. Uh, and meanwhile, I'm booking small like guest stars and co stars, all one episode of TV shows. Um, 
90210, Castle, NCIS, which came a little bit later. Um, Jesus. Uh, Twisted, whatever. A bunch, of, a bunch of different shows. Then 2016, I committed to a workout program. Um, and I know that seems silly, but I had a 16 week challenge that I did with a trainer buddy who wrote my meals out and all my fitness. And I did not cheat once in, in, in four months. I did not have one, one alcoholic drink. I was measuring all my calories. And now I don't think that's the healthiest way to live. Ultimately it's, it's, it's tough, but, but it was a disciplined thing committed to it. And I think it was a week after I finished that. Uh, that I got an audition for a show called Too Close to Home, Tyler Perry show. And, and oh man, I was just jaded. I've done so many auditions and I'm in class and I was always working hard. So I was actually with my buddy, Jeremy, who I've referenced multiple times and, and another friend. And we were at a rehearsal for class and I was like, yeah, I actually got this audition I'm supposed to tape, uh, but I don't think I'm going to do it. Uh, You know, I'm, I'm a rugged trucker. I'm not going to book rugged (laughs) trucker. And they're like, well, hey, just say it out loud, man. And so I, I just read it with them and they were like, that really, that just fit, you know, it just rolled off my tongue. Certain scripts just kind of rolled off your tongue. So I was like, all right, fine. I went home with my girlfriend at the time, memorized the lines and we shot it in like 15 minutes and I just sent it in. But ultimately, you know, after I finished taping it, I was like, oh, it turned out okay. So I yeah, sent it to yeah. my, that, that, that audition came from my reps in Atlanta and I sent it to my LA reps as well. So I got, you know, I was getting casting on both sides of the country looking at it. Um, didn't hear anything. And it was like four days later. And I'm like, Oh, I guess that, that one, you know, that one, that was a Thursday that I sent it in. I thought it was over. Then I got a call on Monday the next week and they were like, Hey, uh, we are interested in seeing more. We want to fly you to Atlanta. So the next day I was on, or two days later, I think maybe the next day I was on a plane to Atlanta. Um, got there, did basically chemistry reads. Tyler does everything kind of different than the rest of the industry. But, uh, I, um, uh, again, dad showed up and then we were supposed to go out to dinner, but they gave me the night before, but they gave me like 10 new pages of scenes. So he sat up at till 1am with me, just reading lines, helping me get ready for that. And you have to memorize those. You don't have to, but I need, well, you know, I needed to work the material and just get it down. So after we did actually do dinner and then my mom was sleeping in my hotel bedroom and my dad was running lines with me until after midnight. And then my best friend, his name's Cole from, or one of my best friends, uh, from growing up came over. He lived right down the street in Atlanta and he sat out on the, um, in the four, like whatever the grass kind of by the pool of the hotel. And he read the lines with me for another two hours. Dude. So that's like 3am. I'm up at six, went to these chemistry reads and just went for it, dude. I, I like, I just went for it. And, and I actually had to read against the guy, his name's Brock O'Hearn and he's the man bun guy. So he's got a couple million followers on Instagram and he was already cast, but I didn't uh. know it. He's like six, seven and just big imposing beard. He's got hair down to here. He's just like, he's a Viking. Right. And yeah. I had, I had to go and do a scene with him and I was like, oh, I'm just going to fucking dominate this guy. So like, not as an actor, but just to like, I'm going to show my, my, yeah. m- the man in me. And I remember yes. after that and I went there and I like threw my pack of cigarettes and I got up in his face and I just was comfortable and I could actually feel him in that moment. Um, Brock's a great guy, but I could feel his, his tension, his nervousness. And I knew he was already cast. And so that kind of changed me because once I started feeling it, it's a, it's a, you know, oh it's a competitive my, thing, but yes. it, it started feeling me and I'm like, Ooh, I got this. And so, yes. so I, 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 it was yes. like one of the few times that I, before, after the audition, I 
started treating my, I was just like, Oh, I got this. Like I just knew it had happened anyways. Um, so that was on a Wednesday. They flew us out right after the chemistry reads before I had landed in LA, I had an offer for the show and I booked my first series regular on that audition as JB, the rugged trucker driving, you know, driving an 18 wheeler, choking out bitches and chasing down, you know, drug money and all this. And and, are you serious? That was, that was like the big breakthrough. Um, uh, yeah. So that got me to into the Tyler Perry universe. I think it's time for, you know, you guys got, got one more, one more mm-hmm. cocktail for me. Of course, like brother. Yeah, actually, never mind. I'm stupid. I still got some here. No, you're not stupid at all. I'm you're, so dumb. You're not I'm dumb. stupid. I'm stupid. We were just you're talking about that positivity. Yeah. yeah, yeah, bitch. Yeah, All right, bitch. bring it back. Yeah, yeah, bitch. Um, so, okay, no, 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 keep on going because this isn't. This yeah, is so um, that was probably May, I think, of 2016. Got the offer, um, and then I was shooting by, I think, June of 2016. And that was really my first introduction to Atlanta, believe it or not. Um, Seriously? Because I had been to the city growing up in Atlanta, but I didn't, uh, we didn't often go into the city. And my sister had moved to Midtown, which is like right on Piedmont Park, which is the big kind of their version of Central Park. Yep. And um, and I remember getting there and she was still at work and I was staying going to stay in her condo with her while I was shooting. And I walked through Piedmont Park to Trader Joe's. And it was just like one of the first moments I felt like that peace in life where I'm like, God, man, like... I'm here and I could just enjoy the moment. I was just so grateful to be experiencing it. So excited to be there. And like, all of a sudden you start smelling the smells differently, right? You know, that, that, that smell of, of the trees in Georgia and the rain that was about to come. And like, all of a sudden the crickets and the tree frogs are starting to come out and you realize like, you know, that's something that doesn't change and you actually get to enjoy it. And so I, I still can, can feel that, that moment. I remember calling my mom walking through the park and just being like, I love it here. This is awesome. Like it feels so good. And like, Oh my God, I had no idea that I loved Atlanta. And, uh, yeah. So we started with eight episodes of that show. And like I said, that was the first time that I had done anything of more than one episode on a show. And, uh, dude, I just went for it. I, I trusted myself by that time I'd put in a lot of work. I was, um, about eight years into, to the acting career and going for it. And, um, I always went home feeling excited after a day of work and just like, I didn't have the regrets. I wasn't dealing with all that. Like, Oh, good. Yeah. All that crap. What was it like working for working with Tyler Perry? Yeah, it was great. Um, so my first, well, I met him at the at the chemistry reads, but didn't really get to. But he, I don't know if you guys know, but the dude is he's a large man, so he's like six five, six yeah. six, just imposing, like the kind of guy who's got those big hands where you shake it yeah. and it just swallows yours. Yeah. And it's like you know, for me, I don't get intimidated good. by much, but tall people intimidate me. That's more than anything. You could be shorter than me and yes. three hundred pounds of muscle, and it doesn't really scare me. Yeah. But when I'm looking up at you, like it, it well, especially it for being six one, six two, like it's. Yeah. There's just something to say about someone that is taller yeah. and larger than you. Yeah. There's, uh, just, he's a big dude. Yeah. He's a big dude and he's got a deep voice and he's accomplished a lot. He's now a billionaire, yeah. uh, which is insane. Yeah. Um, and he came and the cast got together for our first or second night, or I think we were starting the show the next day and we hadn't met him and uh, he surprised us and just showed up at the, the restaurant that we were eating <laughs> at. And he's only spent about a couple minutes, but I remember 
he was taking, you know, you got any questions? And I asked him, do you want us to be script perfect, like um, word perfect or, or, or what? And he said, no, like you can, I want it to come out of your mouth, how naturally roll out, you know, keep, keep the lines there, but you can kind of yeah. make it comfortable for you. And that was my first real introduction, shook his hand and just, yeah. And, and I just just like, yeah, I didn't hand. like that. I did not like my hand being swallowed <laughs> at all. And, uh, Made you feel like a little guy. Yeah, dude. It's just weird. I so often, almost always can just talk and like yeah. be comfortable in my skin. And there's a few, very few places in it. life that I, I see myself. I'm watching myself. I still suck in an audition room. It's so weird, man. I would come in and if I'm auditioning for you, all of a sudden, like I'm aware of everything that I'm saying and, and I, and I'm awkward and it's just crazy. And I still not so much now cause we've developed like an actual friendship with Tyler, but that was the trickiest thing. It's like, I want to just show you me as a human. Like when I was, when the cameras were rolling, I was on point, I was ready. And that's where I felt my most confidence. And I felt, you know, yeah, I didn't so what I said I, earlier. Hold on. It's yeah. sorry. It's what I said earlier. It's like when you're in front of the cameras, that's like your spot. Like I was saying like me in front of 200 or 5,000 people, no problem. But when you're in front of your peers, right. Different. Right. But when you're auditioning, it's just, it's a different fucking beast. It's a different animal. Um, why don't they like loosen you guys up? Why don't they give you a shot of tequila or why, <laughs> why, why don't they do something like yeah, that? I don't find most casting directors really do their job as well as they could. There's some great ones out there, Respect. but I think that they're missing a couple of things. I've never seen a casting director, um, really going to plays or going into classes or anything like that. Right. They're looking now it's like following and resume and things like that. Following um, fuck that man. And that wasn't as big of a thing the first couple of years I was in the business, but obviously that built up, but I just, I was in acting class with all these really great actors who couldn't get representation. And then I saw a really, a lot of really crappy actors who like looked really good or, whatever, or maybe didn't even look really good, but they somehow played the game the right way and they got reps yeah. and I couldn't handle that. I'm like, dude, that girl or that guy right here, my friend who's in class is like so much better than me or just really has something to offer. And I couldn't stand that part about casting. And I think they missed the boat. Like everybody, it's easy for anybody to get an ego. And I think sometimes maybe that happens or lazy, right? Um, but I, I felt, I feel like casting sometimes sets you up for failure, man. Like, sounds like, it. like I get that we have to be able to perform under duress. That's a, that's a thing, you know, and you do have sure. to bring that, but that doesn't mean like sabotaging an audition. That doesn't mean like eating my lunch and looking at the page while you say the lines, like you want to see if I'm an actor, man, acting is listening. That's the yeah. most important thing. It's reacting off your partner. Really. It should be all of that. Ultimately, you have a fucking you know, podcast. Yeah. You, you figure out, you, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. You figure out before you go in, you break it down, you kind of understand what's going on. But once you get in there, my, my acting teacher, last acting teacher, Leslie Kahn said, would say, then you throw that all the way, you know, that's your toolbox. You can reach for it if you need it. But the goal would be practice, you know, really kind of maybe shape the scene, develop it, figure out the what's under the line. So it's all about the thoughts that's under every line. Oftentimes what we're saying, it's the, you know, we're not playing the meaning of it. Um, but then go through all that away and just, and just be present. Um, and so I just, I just don't think casting directors are aware of how much they could be better at their jobs yeah. if they actually gave actors an opportunity to do their best work. 
It just, it makes so much sense. I mean, everything I've heard from you and other people on the podcast and just people I've talked to um, throughout my life, it's like they could get a lot more from these people if they just, I don't know. I don't want to say it's like they gave a fuck, but if they just, it's like set and setting. Mm -hmm. It's like uh, we talked about with like mushrooms and psychedelics. It's like everything comes with the set and setting. Mm -hmm. We're going to say, sir. Okay, why are you trying to fuck this shit up? <laughs> you know, whoa, whoa, maybe, bro. Yeah, maybe, Just because we want to go 17 hours doesn't mean shit. You know what, Daniel? I'm very offended. Fuck you. I told you before we started, I talk way too much. No, I, I fucking love this. I, I love this. I, I love this. I, I, so. The people may wish you know, is more to the point, but but whatever. This, no. is, this is about us. This isn't about you guys. That's exactly. It, yeah. Well, we, we bust these down into clips and all that fun um, stuff, too. Um, yeah, man. So... Where was I going? Casting directors don't do their job. What, what was that? No, no, no. Yeah, we were talking about that. But um, I, I do want to get back to Tyler Perry, right? So you you did this role. Yeah. What was next after that? Um, after that was really tough. Um, I uh, so that was 2016, and then 2017. I'm trying to think of the actual years that happened. So I think. Yeah, yeah. So we were kind of on the hook waiting all year. And then we shot a second round um, of episodes in 2016. So in 2016, we shot twice and we shot a total of 16 episodes. And then 2017, we're all thinking we're coming back. And really, it was just, I, th I believe, an unfortunate situation. He took an opportunity or he tried to work with a different network than he had before. We were the first scripted show on TLC. We still had millions of people watching, which is like we had a lot of a lot of numbers, but they wanted to keep doing these bite sized. And this is conjecture, but kind of like educated guess. But Tyler, his first big thing sold 10 um, house of pain, I believe. And then yeah. once, once he proved himself, then they bought another 90. So he's got like syndication already up front. I'm going to prove it. He shot it himself on his own budget and then it went bigger. So they kept wanting to do bite-sized pieces. Um, it seemed like, you know, eight here, eight here. And he's like, let's, you know, let's do this. And so anyways, for whatever reason that show didn't go, but I didn't find out until October of 2017. So I spent a whole year kind of waiting and spending money and, and yeah. being a little lazy because I thought I had a show and maybe kind of not putting in all the work and I didn't book anything else. And a lot of the other people on the show were booking and I'm like, man, dude, I thought I did a good job. I think I would have what it takes. Like, I don't, I didn't get it. Even though I know I'm still kind of a crappy auditioner, <laughs> um, probably because I say that is why. Um, and then I shot another thing with my friends. I shot a 30 minute <laughs> pilot called skeet and it's absolutely skeet. awesome. It hasn't been, we haven't released it still, which is funny. We finished it a couple of years ago, but it's about me and my half brother and my, my, I'm an aging model and I, um, am starting to, um, yeah, I couldn't get any more jobs and they tell me I have to transition into dad roles and I freak out and we end up going to adoption agency and we get this kid skeet and they're like, well, he's a special case and he's a eight year old boy in a 35 year old man's body. Wait, what? Yeah, so he's got a special condition where he ages quickly. So he's actually like eight Daniel. years old. Yeah, actually eight years old. <laughs> and uh, and he was he was our buddy. Who's, so he's a 30-year-old guy playing an eight-year-old. And anyways, it was really great. But the last shot of the last day, just do it! Yes! Do it! 
Fuck, I, I love that. that one, man. Because the last shot of the last day after being lazy for a year and a half, waiting for another season to go by, we finally said, whatever, we're going to shoot a project. I pull my cell phone out of my pocket. It's ringing during the take. We, we, he yells, cut. I pick it up, and I had a direct offer for a movie. First time I've ever had one. So uh, here we go. Shia LaBeouf, just do it. Um, Wait, what? This is what I've been referring to from when I say it. Well, yeah, but same mean. Yeah, same. Yeah, I know this. Okay, you know this. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so. Um, Maybe that's why my friend told it to me. So I did a. He I said d- just fucking do it. But yeah. There you go. I, I'm sure. I'm, I'm sure. sure I'm sure he says yeah. the fuck word. I mean, he fucking, you know, yeah. you know, he, he, he definitely. Um, he's an interesting guy, but I kind of love him. I fucking love Shia LaBeouf. I think he's. I fucking love. Dude, God, I dude. I love it, man. So oh. yeah, I finished that last shot and then got an offer. It was it was like a Lifetime movie or something, uh, one of these Christmas Lifetime films, but it was cool. It was my first direct offer. I flew to Utah. I was there for a couple of weeks. I shot the movie. That's 2017. Another year goes by and it's really tough and I don't get any work I don't I that I can think of. And then, um, but I kept working hard. And then I got a, a random call. It, I literally was like, had just taken a lunch meeting with an old f- girlfriend to like, kind of think like, Hey, you know, how can we like up our game and whatever? And I got into my car and I had a call that they offered me six roles on a show called if loving you's wrong. And, uh, you know, they paid me my fee that I was got paid as a series regular. They just offered that. And I had already, like I had kind of fallen into the, for the first time, some, you know, credit card debt and stuff like that. And this one job where I shot six episodes worth in four hours of work one day, I shot it all. And that, you know, got me out of all of my, my money kind of tensions and all that. Holy um, shit. Yeah. Dude. So that was, um, that was like October, end of October, 2018. And then, and eight, 2018 was probably the hardest year of my life. Uh, a lot of, a lot of things happened. Um, and I moved in with my girlfriend, which was an amazing thing. And that, but that was my first time living with, uh, with a significant other. And that was a really big challenge. Meanwhile, she's got a, a full-time job going to work, being around people. And I went from having a series to not having a series, not working. She didn't know me when I was working, and she comes into the picture where I have nothing to do, but I had money so I could sit home and I would, you know, just be in a hot apartment with no air conditioning alone. And it was not good, man. It just, t- it took yeah. me down a bad place. And then I ultimately feel like I probably punished her for that a little bit. And I didn't know I was doing it at the time um, because I wasn't happy with myself and, and, and I was resentful because she had something going on and whatever. So um, big learning experience. We're going to, we're going to get to 2020 soon and you guys can all, you know, go smoke a doobie after this three hour podcast. Ah, no, no, uh, this is fucking brilliant. This um, is brilliant. And okay. So 2019 rolls around new years. Um, and I, you know, I still needed something, but I had just had this big job with Tyler in the end of 2018 
And again, I'm like, shit, dude, like, all right, before I get into a hole again with money, I got to go pick up a job. So I had coached CrossFit for about five years from 2000, well, maybe less, but 2012 to 2016. So about four years. And so I had the fitness thing and I've always loved that. I still love that. It's a huge part of me. Um, I enjoy learning about the body and, and I enjoy what it does. And, 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 uh, so, important. so I had a random lead for F 45. It's just a new, one of these, like, you know, a new fitness class and, and it's led by a trainer and it's a group class. And, and so I, um, was introduced and, and got invited to this like weekend seminar to people who were going to be opening their own gyms. And I was just a random guy they were going to have as a trainer, but they brought me there and I'm learning, learning, learning. So after two days of that, of kid admitting again, like, Hey, Oh shit, I have to, I, we're going to go right back there. But I have to tell you the 2018 job when Tyler offered me, if loving you is wrong, I had just had my birthday <gasps> and I had picked up a financial planning job that I was like, all right, I gotta like, I gotta do something. It's, um, so Holy anyways, I, I spent a month studying, got this like insurance licensing, finally got, got into it. And within a couple of weeks I was like, dude, I'm not going to do this. Like this is, I can't do this, Yeah, yeah but I felt like sense. I was letting down my buddy. Cause he was my, my, my friend had hooked me up with a job and he had invested in me, you know, time, money and, and friendship, Yeah, but I knew it wasn't right. And it was all going to be using my network that I had spent 10 years trying to develop. Right. Um, and I just didn't feel comfortable with it at all. So on my birthday, I'm in Hilton Head, South Carolina. I, I said, screw it. Like, I'm going to let this go. And even though I'm in debt, I'm going to fully, I spent 10 years trying to get to this point in my acting career. <laughs> I finally book a show too close to home and then it ends. And now I'm going to quit. What? Because no, like, fuck I'm, that. No, I'm just, I got here. Now you just continue going. You yes. can't keep playing. So I made that mental change, got home to, I got back to LA and within two days of being back in LA after mentally, literally committing to that and calling him and, and leaving the job, I got the direct offer for the those, um, for those six episodes. Then I, I did this fitness training thing and, and spent the weekend doing it. And I just, I had taken initiative and I was around people and I felt good. And I was driving home from the second day of that. And I got a call randomly from my agent direct offer for the lead in a movie to be number two on the call sheet, a romantic comedy shooting like the next week in, in Myrtle beach, South Carolina. And I'm like, okay, I've never been two on the call sheet. And this is my third direct booking. Yeah, like, sweet. I can't audition for shit, but now they're offering me stuff. They're off. So direct booking is where you don't even need to. They just called my reps and said, we want to hire Brad. Because yeah. they like your work um, from the past. Yeah. With Tyler, it was from us working together with these people. I don't know exactly how it happened. You know, I think someone's like, talking about casting you. had a relationship with my agent or whatever. And, and somehow it turns into this job while I, so I, 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 this is, um, January of 2019. Um, that, that movie was called love on the rise. It's a cute romantic comedy, can't little campy, but like in the ways it's supposed to be. Yeah. So while I was flying to Myrtle beach, South Carolina, um, I had a layover and I got a call and they said, we're doing, they're doing the second movie a week after you finish this one they want to offer you the role. Are you fucking kidding me? And that was number one on the call sheet. So I did two movies back to back. I came back to LA for like four days in between. It was really tough because I was actually going through a really hard time in my relationship. So we were trying to like work through that while I'm over there with like this huge workload. And like, but I was saying I was staying on the eighth floor of a resort um, in Myrtle beach uh, over the, over the ocean for basically two months shooting these movies that were just offered to me without a, without a, an audition. 
Um, keep in mind Myrtle Beach in the winter. You know, I think I found what out. I thought I was her. living large, and I looked, and somehow I got the rates, and it was like forty-seven bucks a night. <laughs> <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> but it was awesome. I love you, dude. dude. So I fucking weird. love you. It was so, so it was so awesome, dude. It doesn't matter. I would. I I read. I finished reading Arnold Schwarzenegger's um, autobiography called Total Recall on that trip, and I just totally totally recalling it recommend getting uh reading that book i had just read andre agassiz as well and and uh, good autobiographies are like yeah, the best the best and his his thing was reps 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 so it was all about practice man it was just get in there and be in practice um so i got to do my first uh my the the one movie, the rom-com, then the next one was like a psychological thriller about a guy who loses his partner. He's a cop and turns to the booze, the bottle, and uh, his family, basically. He loses his daughter and his wife through that, and then he starts Shit. hearing voices, and he finds out that those voices in his head are prayers. And so in order to kind of um, you know have his penance and, and find retribution, he has to start answering those prayers. And that movie has not been released yet, but I oh, actually... Shit. Um, the movie won some awards and, uh, I didn't even know they were putting it in film festivals and I ended up winning best actor. Are um, you serious? Yeah. So, uh, what did that feel like when you found out? Dude, it really actually did feel pretty amazing. Cause, um, you know, getting booked feels good, getting that validation, but nobody's ever, you're not often having people say like, Hey, you really did well, or you don't know if people yeah. are or whatever, but it, it felt good just especially after 10 years in the business or whatever it had been. And, um, I don't, I don't want to need it, but it definitely, um, yeah, definitely gave me a sense of pride. It should. Um, it and should. made me feel like I might be doing something kind of right, you know, yeah. and I got a long way to go, but, um, that one I'm, I'll be very excited for people to see. Cause I went from campy romantic comedy to dark, like, you know, crazy dude. And, and I've seen a cut of the film and I'm pretty excited about oh, it. I thought you were watching. Yeah. Um, and then, okay. So that's, do you watch your stuff? If you don't mind. Yeah, I love it. Um, like how many times, like if you movie comes <laughs> out, no, be honest. No, no, I haven't done a lot of rewatching stuff. Um, maybe when I had one scene here, one scene there, I'd watch it a bunch of times, just kind of like trying to digest the fact that you're actually on TV or like this yeah, yeah, fantasy yeah, yeah, yeah. world or whatever. But since, uh, these movies that came out, I think I watched it once on my own and then I had my girlfriend watch it but with like me. But like the oval and like all that, do you watch no, no, honestly, I'd like to go back and really watch it because a lot of times we're like live tweeting and you just don't get to really watch it. And for one, and then like I didn't for a while, I didn't even have BET and I had to like get the right network so I could could yeah. watch a show. But, <laughs> but the Oval was actually one of the first times that I was a little uncomfortable watching myself at times. Like some stuff I really like, but some stuff like um, I got a little self-conscious. Um, I get that. I yeah, get it. I get it. it. Doesn't matter what it is. Uh, I hate watching myself. Yeah, it was the first he time. He gets mad I, at me. Not mad at me, but he's like, "Bitch, I spent all this time fucking editing it, <laughs> and you don't want to watch it, so now I watch it, but not, not the full length." I promise you, it's not that personal. You were an athlete. If you were ever on a football team, what did the coach say? You want to get better? You watch the film. Yes, true. I know, but I <laughs> fuck man. Yeah. But I've been watching the clips. It's not definitely the full definitely hard to look in the mirror sometimes when it comes to it that. Is. And it's, and this is ugh. yeah, this is the first experience that I've had that, and especially with Tyler. Um, part of his genius is just being innovative and um, doing things that people say you can't. So we shoot we on the Oval this season. We shot between 110 and 120 pages a day, and a normal show or movie would do maybe five to seven. 
And during coronavirus. And during coronavirus. We're, we're yeah. going to get that. Hold on, hold on. I want to build up to that because right, so. what the, everything Tyler Perry and you guys have created just blows my fucking mind. Yeah. All right. So. So um, going back a little bit, when I was on Too Close to Home, um, he had he had was in between season one and two and he was writing it. And I don't know how much I should share, but he reached out to me and said, you know, like I'm thinking about this kind of uh, interaction between you and a gay character on the show. And, you know, what do you think about that? And I was like, eh, like, I just, I, I don't that. think he's supposed to go there yet. And I don't even know if it was uncomfortable with, with, with the gays, like doing a gay role. I don't, I don't really know what it was, but I, at the time I was a little nervous and I like, I, I still wanted to be like the hero of the show, even though my character wasn't that. So I still had this desire to like, turn this piece of crap guy into somebody that everybody loved. And, you know, we all want to, we all love to be the hero and, and, and I just had some learning to do still. So I kind of said, oh, I don't think we should go that direction yet. And then after the sh that show ended in my year and a half, essentially of no work, I was like, dude, I, what am I thinking? Like one, this is hard being unemployed, like crap. And two, like you're an actor, like the whole point is to yeah. go in like, Yes. is to honor the writer and just and explore yeah. it and like who cares dude I, I don't i mean i don't i don't even know what the application so you should have said yes is what you're i saying. don't i don't know that i should have said yes but it just made me um it just took me to a place of contemplation going forward and when i didn't have work and so anyways when when march 2019 came around i had just finished those two movies i i was literally sitting at the juice bar i would go to the juice bar in la fitness before my workout and i would drink uh, like one of these pre-workout drinks and I would read. So I was reading a book, which has become a big hobby in the past couple of years. And I got a random text from Mr. Tyler Perry. And I'm like, Oh, are I'm you cool. serious? Yeah. Just like to my phone. I don't like, even, who the fuck is yeah. it? I don't even, I don't even know if I had his number or whatever. Yeah. And, um, and so he says, I probably have the text, but it was something along the lines. Like, um, uh, I'm writing a new show. Uh, there's a character and he's, sexy sadistic creepy cruel fun and also has same sex sex scenes with uh other guys pretty much like you yeah pretty much like me yeah, yeah. Like, hey, nailed, it nailed it on the head um and it was you know and i'm like holy shit dude You're like, like yes just like this is happening and and i knew already i was comfortable with it but like yeah. um but i i call my dad in between just to be like because he's my guy and i'm yeah. like oh this is happening and like kind of telling him about this, the situation. Um, and I hadn't told Tyler like, yeah, let's do it. And he says, he was like, haha crickets. And I'm like, no dude, no. So he thought I was kind of tense about oh, it. Oh, Tyler Perry texted you that. Yeah. Tyler, Tyler texted me about the role. And then I immediately called my dad and was like, you'll never believe what happened. And before I had responded to him. Oh my God. Um, yeah. He yeah. Was, so he's like, Oh, okay. Maybe you're not into it. And I tried to, let him know in that moment, no, I'm comfortable. I want this. Let's do it. And he's like, all right, I'm thinking about you for the, you know, or he said, I'm thinking about you for Dude, this that's role. That's crazy. Yeah. No, so, I, I'm sorry. I, I don't know. Like that's good. most people. No, no. Like 99.9999% of people in life will never get to experience that moment. My yeah. friend, like yeah. Tyler Perry, one texting you, but Tyler Perry, one texting you for a role. And I, I just, I can't even fathom what that is like, yeah. but all the hard work that you have done to get to this point, mm -hmm. it's obviously showing. And yeah. it's so funny to like, I don't want to say funny, but like, you know, you kind of go back and forth with your mind. Like, it's just what I've been listening. Right. Mm. Um, and 
but you've put the work in. Mm. You've definitely put the fucking work in. I've definitely put the work in. I mean, I, I, I TA'd at my acting class for a couple of years where I was a, I'd literally on the intensive where they bring in new actors, I would go from 6 p.m. till 2 a.m. for every single Wednesday night and just to, to soak in more work. And then I was in class and I was creating my own projects constantly. And so I worked hard. I yeah. wish, I don't think I worked, as hard now. So that was kind of like what I want to, I want to figure out how to have the same drive and fire that I had back then. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, so I didn't have the job yet, but I had that, that text in the bag and then a couple of weeks go by and I, I don't exactly know what happened, but, um, my mom kept pushing like, Hey, you should really text him. I'm like, mom, I'm going to wait. Like this is, you know, he texted, he reached out an audition is going to be sent. And then, and then finally she got to me and I texted. I oh, was like, fuck that. Yeah. Text him. I'm like, I uh, told that to my wife all the time. Yeah, yeah, just do it. Yes, just fucking do it. God <laughs> damn it. Don't wait for people. Yeah. So, and so instead I love of just waiting mom. for that audition, I, yeah, she's a go getter. And then I, I, I texted him and I just was like, hey, I just want you to know how excited I am. I can't remember exactly what it was. He was, he was literally in the wings waiting to go on for his Medea play and he's texting back and Jesus. forth with me. And basically that conversation was, uh, which I didn't know was he thought I was still apprehensive about the, yep. the gay part. But this and I was, was like, it. I can't wait. And he's like, Oh, so you're, you're ready. Like you're comfortable. And I'm like, Oh my God, mom, if I hadn't you texted, fuck. if I had not texted, I think it potentially would have gone a different way. So we have this cool interaction. And I remember he's like, Oh shit, all these secret service guys are clean shaved. Like, what do you look like without a beard? And I sent him that. And then you sent him and just shaved your beard off. And I, I'd say I didn't have one at the time. And so, okay. I, but I sent him a, something from one of those projects. I had just referenced, uh, the rom-com. Yeah. Anyways, uh, I don't remember exactly the timeline, but within a couple of days, I was I was actually visiting my family family in Atlanta at the time in Georgia, so they invited me for an audition, and I went and taped um, with their casting director there, and there was all sorts of stuff that wasn't putting me in a good spot, man. Like the yeah. lighting was terrible, I knew it, and like she she was nice, but like there were certain aspects of it where I was like, dude, I know this could have gone better, so I was a little bit worried, and I didn't hear anything for a while. Then I think it was the next day that I got a, um, I, I was sitting in the backyard of my parents' pool. My nephews were out there and I got a text room. Um, your audition was perfect offer coming. And I literally started screaming. I literally was like, yes, 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 yes. And my nephews are like, what is going on, dude? This is crazy. Um, and that's when I got the offer and, 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 my you know, God. Um, and so this was, we were the first show us and one other show sisters are the first show. He had just done a big deal with Viacom. So he, we, my, my first show I did with him was on TLC, but he typically did stuff on own Oprah Winfrey network. Yeah. He's now signed this deal with Viacom. So we're on BET yeah. and we're like, he, they're kind of oh, revamping the network with our show. And he had just finishing, I don't think they're quite done yet, but a show called the have and the have nots, which has done 200 episodes. And he's told me directly, like, uh, I see this being, you know, a show like that. So we've done now 47. We just shot our second season. And, um, and so I'm, I'm very hopeful and confident that we're going to be doing this for a long time. And the way he shoots, we shoot in two or three weeks and they want us to go. He wants us to go get other work. So, you know, I'm set up to work my butt off, you know, be on TV, get to be on a fun primetime soap opera, 
challenge myself with the role playing secret service I, this, I think i've killed 10 people now i get to nice. you know i got to shoot an ar and with with blanks last month like uh, god we'll get into we don't have much more time but yeah. I, I i was doing <laughs> i was doing this scene where i'm in a van and the stunt driver nails another car does a spin out i get out with blanks get around the car do, 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 down do, 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 do. the car leaves i jump in the driver's the driver's seat of the van and and pull off and it was just incredible dude I'm like you, i'm being, i'm an action you're literally star. doing this yeah, yeah 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 i got to do it all um it's so fucking cool man so it's yeah the whole thing's been amazing we were supposed to shoot march start like mid-march and we got shut down two days before we were shooting uh, gonna start the shoot because of coronavirus yeah. but that's a cool thing man props to tyler perry not only does he give so many people their first opportunity but um he he's the epitome of where there's a will there's a way he came from nothing he did, even says he didn't really have any mentors but he just put his feet in his nose or he put his nose to the grindstone and he got to work so that's what he did in the pandemic he's kind of set an example for everybody else we were in a bubble on his studio lot it's a 350 acres an old military base in atlanta called fort mcpherson now tyler perry studios um, and we shot, uh, we had 377 people in our bubble. There was not one positive case. Um, we te we tested every couple of days while we were there, but it was the coolest experience. You never left the bubble. I'm staying in, oh, by the way, my grandfather, who was a two-star general actually lived in the next house, one of the, one of the houses next door. So he let us, uh, the actors stay in houses that were built for the soldiers back in the day. And I stayed in a house next door to where my grandfather lived on this military base nice. back in the seventies. Yeah. So really, really amazing. And I would do it this way every, every time we, you know, we, the gym was open or you go for a run, you go work out on the basketball court and there's food and they had movies on the lawn. So they had a big blow up screen and had movies at night and they had um, every night after wrap, they had two food trucks or three food trucks and an alcohol truck. And those were open for two hours. So some nights you're wrapping at 2 AM and these are open till four. And it was just a fun no experience. Way. And we crushed it and we got to work during these crazy times. And it was cool. There wasn't like really any talks of, you know, politics or yeah. any of the weird shit. We were all just there being friends, working together. Yeah. You know, for me, frankly, it's pretty cool. Like being on a show that's primarily black because, I get to be the guy in the room for once that's like the minority. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And like, I've always had lots of black friends. I've had my last yeah. two roommates before I moved in were black guys or last three actually. So it, there was never any like disconnection with that, with that. that culture, but it is kind of fun to work uh, in to, an environment yeah, of that's, course. that where, where I, uh, where I'm the, the different guy. You're the uh, minority. Yeah. I'm the like, minority. And, and it's, it's not right or wrong to say no, it's, it's just, just cool. it is what it is. Yeah. No, it's fucking awesome to look at life from a different perspective. And what Tyler Perry has been able to do mm -hmm. is just, I mean, dude, everyone's fucking talking about it. Yeah. Like, because my wife is a union makeup artist. She's been out of work for months now. Right. Yeah. But you have Tyler Perry being able to create a system that fucking works mm -hmm. and and these individuals that are a part of the team, they're working and it's successful and there's no outbreaks and there's none of that shit, right? Yeah, shout out to him for hiring um, felons, uh, actually. And um, I don't know too much, but I just have a lot of respect for that, man. Like at the end of the day, he's Me willing too. to give people a second shot 
in some fashions or a first shot as an actor in some fashions. Um, but he's kind and I'm not going to prop him up, but he's become a friend. And so I'm, I truly can say like he, he's good people, man. He wants, he's a regular guy. I was actually, I don't want to talk too much about what he said to me personally, but like there was a moment where I, I said something to him where I tried to say, Hey, by the way, like if you ever need like somebody to lean on or talk to or support, like I'm here and I remember him saying like, wow, man, that, that moves me like fame and fortune is cool, but it can be a gilded cage. Yeah. And, uh, and I thought that was really special where you're like, you remember for a moment, oh my God, this guy might be a famous billionaire, but he's just a dude. And no yeah. matter how much success I've had in my career, every time I have more success, I am more reminded I am no different than I was yesterday. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so a lot of love, a lot of appreciation. Our show's fun. Check it out on BET. I think we're coming back for season two um, in mid-October this year, but uh, but it's just a fun primetime soap opera. I play Kyle Flint, Agent Kyle Flint. I'm a Secret yeah. Service agent, uh, kind of a fixer guy, and I've got a lot of uh, psychological damage uh that leads to some pretty interesting scenarios but uh i'm really proud of being a part of it and and have a blast and um yeah so i i hope people will check it out and and um a lot of people do yeah yeah, (laughs) i think i think we had like almost a million live viewers um that's insane which was cool that's insane for today's standards yeah that is insane yeah i didn't know there's a a, i think it's soul train or something a show that would come on right after ours and the production value is great and it's a really like i've just watched a little bit because it comes on after us and i look at the numbers and they're like getting four hundred thousand or something and we're getting a million and i just it's crazy his following's crazy and he knows what the people he's working, he's making it for. He's, I've told, asked him, like, if you had, you know, a uh, hundred days to shoot a movie and would you do it? And he's like, it's just not his thing. He wants to make content. He wants to move. Even his movies that are finished are number one in the box office. I remember Medea Boo Halloween when, when I first met him was number one over Tom Cruise's Oblivion in the box office. And they shot it in five days, five days. So uh, wait, wait, wait. He shoots the same, essentially the same speed, maybe a little slower on his feature films that he does on his TV shows. So he shot, he shot that movie, movie in five, five days. days and it would made like over a hundred million or something. So, um, yeah, man, maybe we leave it I, at that. I don't even know what the fuck to say right now. Yeah. That is insane, man. Yeah. I mean, your story, like everything that you, you have gone through in your, your ability to just look at your life from a different perspective is it's just really refreshing, man. Thank you. You know, as, as we, as we start to wrap this up, man, I, I appreciate you as a human being because <laughs> one, I've just fucking had a great time talking to you. Me too, man. It's <laughs> um, been awesome. But, but two, being so honest, like you don't meet so many people that are so honest about their life. And that was a key thing for me when I started this podcast. It was a key thing when I talked to fucking Daniel and came on. And, you know, it was just, I had to be honest about my life. Like, Mm -hmm. I can't bullshit about this. Mm -hmm. And having someone else come on here and be as honest as you, as myself, as fucking Daniel, it's... um, Fucking Daniel. Fucking Daniel! Yeah, <laughs> this is gonna be like an ongoing thing from now on. I yeah. promise you. Um, it's just so refreshing. 
Um, oh man, it's refreshing to get to chat. Um, and it's just a, another reminder for everybody out there listening, man, go connect, go, go, whatever. Like we may never see each other again. We may see each other again soon, but if nothing else like this, this has been a cool thing that enriched all of our lives and, yeah. and reminds you of some of the things that other people are going through that, you, you know, a lot of times you feel like you're on an Island with your problems. And like every time I've had that and I start talking, I'm like, Oh my God, like every guy I know is going through that same thing or girl. So yeah, I think it's just beautiful. We get, get, go connect, go talk to people, tell your story. Like I, I, yeah, we could keep going forever, man. But, um, it's like, yeah, it's, it's, it's really beautiful. And I think the last round of shooting of my show actually taught me that we were all, we were having a sappy cast moment the last night after we wrapped and we were saying what our, we were grateful for and like what our intentions were. And basically in that moment, I just told them I, I it reminded me that human connection sparks is my spark and yes. and it's all too easy to disconnect from the world and like um when i'm feeling down like just go go be around people and then the rest will figure itself out it always does yeah man it fucking always yeah. does so human connection is so important yeah okay so uh where can people find your stuff uh, Instagram at Brad Benedict. Uh, I don't really go on too much other social media <laughs> on, on Facebook. I think I'm, uh, at the Brad Benedict. I got a little fan page there on Twitter when we, when we, I only really go on Twitter when we're shooting, but I'm at Brad Benedict there too. But yeah, reach out on Insta. If you got any questions or anything, they can put me, you know, DM me. I'm pretty good about it. So slide through that Brad, DM. Yeah. Just slide on I in. Just wanna, <laughs> I just want to cover a statistic with you. That's just really impressive. thank you man boom, boom motherfuckers let's end it with that daniel fucking dropping some goddamn wisdom appreciate i it, love that shit all right people thank you so much for listening back to your story we appreciate you um and uh just tune in every single week hell yeah tune in that's right boom wowzers thank you so much for tuning into the podcast i want to thank brad for coming on to share his story it was awesome to get his you know, perspective on life and just hear really different things about him. It's really cool to see how a person becomes who they are, you know, after years of hard work and taking care of themselves and just that motivation to never quit. Uh, if you guys want to check out our YouTube channel, there's so many amazing clips and full videos on there. We're really putting up stuff on a weekly basis. Uh, you can either look up back to your story on YouTube and find it that way, or just type in your URL bit.ly backslash b-t-y-s-t-u-b-e uh, Daniel is putting up some amazing stuff I know you guys are going to like it and don't forget to review and subscribe and follow the channel go to our Instagram add back to your story uh, we're just constantly trying to push them and put out as much amazing content on a weekly basis thank you guys from the bottom of my heart have a wonderful day let's go boom boom